0: Hey guys, brand new podcast and the Birdie Boy World Tour kicks off January 30th in Burlington, Vermont. I have added a second show. Go to birdbirdbird.com. And then it's on to Rochester, Dayton, Ohio, and then the following week, Sacramento, San Jose, and Bakersfield. Super excited for this tour. Um, Yes, for those of you uh, emailing Leanne, it is all new material. That's my favorite part of stand-up comedy is writing material. That is my favorite part, without a doubt, is the excitement of writing material. This should be... Be a blast. We, I think we're going to do more than one just opener so that we can have fun on the road. Uh, and by the way, Sober October leaned us into this great health kick. So we're all like used to going to Planet Fitness. I got to get a Planet Fitness uh, uh, membership. membership. Yeah, I got to remember. Remind me to do that. Um, but yeah. And and then it carries on. We've added shows in Nashville at the Ryman, New York at wherever I'm playing in New York. I don't remember. I do. I don't. I can't. Can you see if you can find out where I am playing in New York, Austin? But yeah, um, so we've added a bunch of shows. Tampa, we've added a show. Atlanta, we've added a show. DC, we've added a show. We've added shows all over the place. So super excited for the tour, new material, and I will see you on the road. Uh, and
1: there's a new T-shirt online. And there's a new T-shirt.
0: Yep. Is it is it up?
1: Yeah, it's up. Tour T-shirt. It doesn't ship till February first, so you can pre-order it if you want. But it'll be at the live venues.
0: Uh, Pre order these t shirts. I will post them on my Instagram stories. Uh, Trying to think of an Instagram story to shoot next week to uh, announce, re announce the beginning of the tour, relaunch the tour. Um, Yeah, but that's about it. Schenectady. What's Schenectady? No, wrong. No. No, Uh, he's uh, looking at the. In New York, New York. I might like the link at the. uh, It's a really nice theater. (laughs) It's been great being home. We wrapped, uh, technically wrapped. I'm at the Beacon Theater in New York. Uh, technically wrapped. If you were watching, follow my Instagram stories, that's what you're seeing. You were seeing me up at a cabin uh, shooting a new Netflix TV show, a Netflix show. Uh, I've technically wrapped. I will do, you know, not that you give a fuck about this. You're like, Bert, <laughs> wrap it up. Uh, it's a great podcast today. You're going to absolutely love it. Uh, this episode of the Bertcast is brought to you by Whoop. Whoop is a longtime partner and was the driving force behind uh, Sober October with my buddies, Tom Scurra, Joe Rogan, and Ari Shafir. And to kick off 2020, we're taking on a new weight loss challenge, going on different diets, mostly Joe, (laughs) and exercising a ton. That is me to see what kind of different results we can get by the end of February. If you just woke up and weren't following along, when I wore Whoop 24-7 to understand the impact of no booze, no bud, the no-nothing lifestyle, the tracker changed my relationship with my body. It measured things like resting heart rate, heart rate variability, and sleep sleep was the most important. I do not sleep enough. This mountain of data is analyzed by their algorithm that then plucks out the most important factors to help you change your daily behavior. Mine is sleep. You feel better when you sleep more. That is a no brainer. But when you don't get enough sleep, your brain doesn't work the right way. It tricks you into thinking you don't have enough energy for the day and tells you you're hungry when you're not hungry. Less sleep Leads to more eating. I'm not saying I'm going to stay in bed until March, but sleep is just important for me right now as hitting the gym. I'm getting on that trail, treadmill behind me in 10 minutes, and then I'm going to sleep. Sleep is so important. Whoop is the best tool out there to help you get better sleep. It even has a sleep coach, which will recommend the sleep you need to feel your best the next day. If you want to be better and keep up with me, Joe, tom and arian lose weight to kick off 2020 get over to whoop.com right now and use the code Bert at checkout for 15 off your membership today thank you to all my sponsors we have a few mid rolls in here and thank you, you guys for putting up with them that is what pays for the podcast and uh and that is the reason i'll never stop doing this podcast new two bears one cave is up right now with me and tommy uh the bill burt podcast comes out i think once a month twice a month with clips coming out on YouTube. Uh, that's just me and Burr having having a cigar. And we're going to do it as long as we can. We had fun doing the first one. We had fun doing the second one. Uh, we're shooting one Thursday. I'll tell you if we have fun. And, and then if they keep going. <laughs> but Two Bears, One Cave up every other week. Burrcast is up weekly. With a Something's Burning uncut at the end of the week. It's all about free content, guys. It's, I, I keep saying that over and over again. I can't tell you enough. By the way, planning something to shoot in Burlington, Vermont for the beginning of the Birdie Bowl World Tour. Are you So fucking excited, I can't even tell you. Yeah? I was with Isla, and they called and they said, hey, would you have any interest in seeing Dot Dot Dot's factory? And I went, uh, more than I have interest in going on tour.
1: Is it a maple syrup factory?
0: No, by the way, no, but we should totally go see a maple syrup thing while we're there. Yeah. I am fucking fascinated by maple syrup.
1: Yeah, maple syrup is pretty much awesome. Do you know
0: that maple syrup is more expensive than gasoline?
1: Yes. I did. If know you that. look,
0: if you go into a grocery store, this blew my fucking mind. Yeah. It's if you really go into expensive. a grocery store,
1: like real maple syrup.
0: Yeah, not the not the the bullshit Mrs. stuff. <laughs> yeah, is it, it Mrs. Butterworth? Is that what it is? That's, that's not, that's sugar not water, real. Yeah, just then. sugar water. Um, we we yeah, I'm so excited for everyone to see this uh show we did up in the woods. We went, and I've always wanted bees, and now after having bees, we we bee tended. Uh-huh. Is it bee tended?
1: Yeah, bee kept.
0: Bee kept. We were kept. We be kept.
1: You be, I don't know what it's called. You you tended to bees? I don't know.
0: Maybe we just were.
1: You kept bees? Because you're called a beekeeper.
0: Sometimes I hate when I tell you a joke and you just fly right past it.
1: Yeah, that was a joke?
0: We be, we, and I said maybe we just were.
1: Huh? I don't get it.
0: A lot more of those gems on the Purdy Boy World Tour.
1: Is it like "be" as in the past tense of "be" is were? Is that what you're talking about? That's the joke? Oh, boy. You do do better than that on the birdie board. Well, her towards to her, I hope.
0: Hopefully, I'll bring some Leanne ticks. Leanne's got a podcast called Wife of the Party that I just told Sister Donna about today. Oh, no. You did not.
1: <laughs> oh, no. She
0: said, what does your wife do? And I wanted to say, Sister Donna. That's such a dated. Can't she just be a housewife? But I said, no, she's got a podcast. She went yes and then she looks at me she goes you are you're the comedian and i was like oh fuck here we go so um check out leanne's podcast wife of the party thanks babe uh it's a great podcast and uh and she will be doing some live
1: (laughs) shows on the road this year
0: we will be (laughs) scheduling them she will be doing them with her friends they will be getting a tour bus and for one weekend going off uh, on the road together
1: well kathy and kirsten are in
0: and you know sandy's gonna go oh yeah and, uh, I haven't but yeah, I'm, I'd yes. love to go see some maple syrup. Yeah. I want to see, I want to see something about fish. Well, hopefully I fish can go with Burlington, you. Burlington, Vermont. Oh. By the way, I want to, I want to take my tour bus to, um, to, uh, I want to call it Stabby's. It's not Stabby's. In Dayton, Ohio, there's a bar we used to go to all the sure shots. I say sure shots because Craig Geraldo snorted speed off a of switchblade in that bar. Oh, that sounds fancy. So he told me. He was like, oh, I know sure shots. Ugh. I still sell speed behind the bar and I went what and he goes, I snorted speed off a switchblade and sure shots. Missed this my flight is the next hard,
1: day. That little guy. Yeah.
0: Um, That's but yeah. Dayton, Ohio. Uh, what else in that? Rochester, New York. I love Rochester, New York. Yeah. I love New York. By the way, the I'm I i do not know. I'm super excited for the Birdie World War tour, and I do want to see maple syrup. Okay. And I want to go to when we go to Bakersfield, I want to go to Buck Owens, Crystal Palace. Yep. Um, in San Jose. I want to go get the uh orange or in salsa that I love. Yeah. So it's like a sauce more, it's like a hot sauce. Uh-huh. And in Sacramento, I want to get some taffy. Oh yeah? Yeah. Um today is a great podcast. It really is a great podcast. I we just kind of took off talking uh and and really honestly, by the way, and, and I know this aggravates some people sometimes, but this is what the podcast can be whatever the fuck I want it to be. Um we kind of talk about, I don't do we talk about was it politics, Halston, or just woke culture can, we talk about cancel culture and woke culture criminal justice system uh it it, it was a great conversation okay. this is what i love about moshe you can talk to him about anything he's very intelligent he talk we talk about jewish people we talk about the holocaust we talk about israelis we talk about just literally about everything and we also talk about his new comedy album called crowd surfing which is out right now. It's it's actually not out now. It's out f- Friday, right? The 24th. So if it's the 24th right now, it's out right now. But if it isn't, make sure to get it on the 24th where you buy albums. It is his crowd work album. And it's it's. I haven't listened to it yet, but I've seen him do crowd work. His crowd work is fucking flawless. There are a few people that do crowd work well. Him, Imbag, uh Paula Poundstone murdered at crowd work. Oh, yeah. Patrice was great at crowd work. I'm sure. Just great at crowd work. I, could, I really love Dave Chappelle's crowd work, too. He, do, I, he doesn't do it maybe as often as I would like, but when he was younger, he would do crowd work. Oh, yeah? My crowd work's mediocre. It was better when I was younger, and then I found that what it was for me is I wasn't growing as a comic because I would just rely on that, get drunk, and fuck around with people, and I wouldn't try jokes. Right. Great crowd work guys are doing jokes inside their crowd work. Right. I was just being like, so you're a lesbian?
1: You were just taking your shirt off and stuff.
0: Yeah, thanks for thanks for doing the voice I hear in my head when I hear people hate me.
1: <laughs> I was thinking about Miami in particular.
0: I take my shirt off. Yeah. I bring a black guy and a Cuban guy on stage. Yeah. And I'd have them translate my act to their people. Uh, yeah. I bring two black guys on stage, have them show their dicks. Yeah. Uh, my crowd work was not high-end crowd work.
1: Not very high-brow, no.
0: Donkey fuck a woman, an old woman on stage. What? I did that in, in Toledo, Ohio. A woman came up on stage, she was like fucking 80, and I started donkey like I put my hands on the ground and then had her against the wall and I put my feet up by her shoulders. Yeah. I was so agile back then. And I pretended to fuck her for upside down. It was fucking my crowd work was low brow. Not that my act's much higher brow, but uh Netflix special coming out soon. I'll let you know when. But uh that's not no crowd work, so you'll like it. Let's get to the podcast, everybody. Oh, my gosh. Speaking of Netflix specials, Fortune Feimster has a Netflix special called Sweet and Salty out right now. Right now. Go to Netflix, download it, or watch it. Fortune Feimster, she was just on my show, my Netflix show. She is the most beautiful-spirited human being you'll ever meet. She is absolutely fucking hilarious. To this day, she has one of the best premises I've ever heard Instead, one. Two of the best premises I've ever heard of stand-up. One, Sebastian Maniscalco, one's hers. And I, I, I can't wait till she writes that. It's, it, she has a Netflix special called Sweet and Salty. Go check it out. Give her some love. Share it with some friends. Go see her live. Without further ado, today's Burtcast. My friend, stand-up comedian, surfer, crowd work aficionado, with a new album out right now called Crowdsurfing. Get it where you can get your albums of comedy. Moshe Kasher.
1: This is
0: the craziest thing we were just talking when we were walking to one of the things I think is so crazy is the D de- I'm not the, I'm not the best at. I'm not the best at sometimes explaining big thoughts. The D valueization of the word like Nazi. Right. Like, Cause I, I, act, I heard, now I've been heard hearing Nazi thrown around so much. I actually was just like, Oh, there's no real, not, I didn't re- realize there's real Nazis. Oh <laughs> like, yeah. Like the-, the Charlottesville thing. Is it Charlottesville? Yeah. Where Dave Matthews grew up and that's where the riots were. I didn't know they were really racist all of them I, I don't know i see by the way i i think what happens is these two really aggressive sides take a thing like that and light it up so much and what happens is i don't trust either of them so right. i just don't believe any of it
2: well that's exactly what we were ta- talking about well, first of all i was gonna say about nazis that's funny because it's like yeah everybody calls everybody else a nazi but then at the at the t- at the edge of the of the fake nazi the real nazis are like we're available like they, they'll <laughs> pop up at the end they're like yeah. well we oh they're like cleanup hitters they're like yeah. oh no we're here to actually oh no no we'll we burn act- we'll b- burn the building down if that's what you've been waiting for
0: there's guys calling uh ari a nazi oh
2: really yeah and and it's <laughs> for what what do he do uh
0: he did a podcast with um milo yarnopoulos oh, oh oh
2: oh uh-huh and, and right and right. then
0: they're like and uh, ari's dad was in the holocaust so which i explained so much about ari <laughs> i really honestly when he roofied me, when he mollied me i actually blamed hitler i thought that is a
2: very magnanimous you went into the history you cracked open a britannica encyclopedia britannica it's like this is the guy
0: well you know that you know i mean i i can't i I don't want to go i don't want to ever try to deconstruct what ari's childhood must have been but i'd imagine if you were coming up from a one of the holocaust camps that maybe you weren't like the most patient parent or maybe you had some stuff, you know? Well,
2: leaving Ari out of this conversation <laughs> entirely, I will say this, like having grown up uh, in my family, there's tons of Holocaust survivors. Um, and the, you know, there's a line in the book. Um, Oh shit. What's it called? Oh, it's like a, this, this really famous Holocaust memoir from the psychologist that I'll figure it out. I'll remember it in a second. What he says in there, it's like one of the most haunting images of the, entire, of the entire book. He says that like the people that made it out, the reason Holocaust survivors feel so much guilt is that they know that the people that made it out were not the best of the people that went in. In order to make it out of the camps, you needed to be able to be, have a ruthless survival instinct in order to make it out of an environment that horrifying. That you had to be selfish and you had to be, you had to be uh, self-preservation first. You had to be. So he says that he says that every Holocaust survivor knows that the best of us perished in the camps and that it was the. I'm not saying anything about Holocaust survivors. I'm saying what this (laughs) fellow said, who himself went to Auschwitz. He, it was a really haunting image. Was like in order to make it, man's search for meaning. Man's search for meaning. Viktor Frankl. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Really, isn't that a haunting image? Is,
0: that is really fucking.
2: That's really insane. I mean, think about yourself. Do you? Would you have made it? What do no, you think? No, no. I don't know. I have this image of myself, and you can share this one too. But they would have. You would have been okay. They'd have been like, "Kleisher, okay, you're no, good. No, no, you're no, good." No, no. <laughs> His paper but is not fine. I have this image of myself, this is how arrogant comedians are. <laughs> I've always pictured myself in the Holocaust, like somehow finding a way to like showcase comedic talent, and they're like, "Okay, we like him. Bring him in. Bring him to the beer hall." And then I would have like, you know, performed for them, yeah. and I would have survived. They would have throw me a heel of bread or something, <laughs> yeah. and then I probably would have done some crowd work where I insulted like a a, a lieutenant, and they would have like you know, kicked me into the fire or whatever, but I would have, I would have, I think I'd maybe, maybe I would have made it. I don't know. I've never thought about myself in the Holocaust. I, I
0: have thought about myself in an apocalypse a lot. And? Uh, not doing well.
2: No, why not? You're not beefy. doing well.
0: No, no, uh, I am. You're the am, machine. I am such a <laughs> fucking pussy. The machine I, is broken. I have, I've always, I we just, I just had this conversation with someone the other day. I've always put myself in situations in the world, like storming the beaches of Normandy, being in Vietnam, um, but I never the holocaust though I, I don't i my dad's family was all uh like my dad's dad my dad's dad stormed the beaches in normandy that's a crazy story in just i read his diary and in his diary he's like they're they're taking to us, uh, us to a beach called omaha and, uh-huh. and he was like he was like can't believe they have beaches here i wonder what this will be like <laughs> that's a rude awakening great grandpa <laughs> they, and they just they just that was my grandfather and they just took a boat they parked the boat offshore like those guys got on the boat in South Carolina or wherever and they just never got off until it was war see i know how i would fare in war i would fare poorly so bad that's why i look i never say i never say thank you for your service to vets because i'm so humiliated that i could not do what they do that i like i feel like men should say that to them I'm like hey thank you for your service I, I wasn't around to do that but you got my back i'm always like going I always want to go I'm in awe of what you decided to do with your life.
2: There are two there were two rules in my family growing up, two hard rules. Um one was uh never get a tattoo and the other was never join the military. And really? I didn't do either of those things, but it was <laughs> that's how that we were the opposite. It was like do not do that. Never ever ever fight for a government. Never. Really? Yeah, and I I would never. I and I That's not a disparaging comment. I agree when I see people that did it, it's like, it's a kind of a mind boggling degree of sacrifice, but never. And I would never let my kid join the military either. Did you, that's what everyone's talking about
0: is the draft. If we go to war with uh, Iran, by the way, I was about to say Japan, but- We did that one. We did that. Your grandfather (laughs) did that one. (laughs) No, man, which war would you rather have been in, over in Europe or in the Pacific?
2: Oh, inter- I mean, Europe, because I could have at least at least before I perished. Look, I'm under no illusion that I would have made it all the way to the top I of the would beach. Never made it in any fucking. No, world. I would have gotten on the beach. I'd been like, this is a pretty cool beach. And then I would have gotten exploded. <laughs> but at least I would have had the opportunity to kill one Nazi. I mean, it's every little Jew's fantasy to be able to have killed a Nazi. Yeah, And uh, at least maybe maybe like here's my theory. I get on Normandy. I got the helmets falling over my glasses. You know, all the other, all the other soldiers are picking on me. They're like, why is this twerp here? <laughs> it's going over my you know, glasses. I trip over the like rifle. Captain
0: America before the medicine? Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> or just your standard issue Jew. And, uh, and then a, a mortar hits me. My body flies into a million pieces, but my helmet shrapnelifies. The shrapnel goes past the, the, the barbed wire into the eye of one Nazi, and I blind that man. That's Maybe? A, that's it. Hey. That's a fantasy. I, I, stranger things have happened. You know, watching *Inglorious Bastards yeah. is like, that was the rough part of that movie. It's like you watch *Inglorious Bastards, and at the end, every Jew, that's every Jew's pornography. That's what we masturbate to is the idea of, you know, dead Nazis. Yeah. And at the end, you're like, fuck yeah, take it, Hitler. And then the credits rolled, and you walked out, and you're like, oh, no, that didn't happen. That's That's not what happened at all. <laughs> It's so funny, though, to go back to this is that I
0: people have thrown the word Nazi around so much that I actually thought it was just not. A th- I, I thought it was like uh, I thought it was an exaggeration of like, you know, when the the right said, uh, and now these transgenders want to use the bathroom and our kids are going to be fed and face fucked in the stalls.
2: And in my head, I was like, I do remember when the right wing said that <laughs>
0: and I was like, I was like, that, there's not enough of them. There's it's guys. It's not going to you're not going to notice it. You're never going to see it. It's like, it was one of those non-issues for me that I was like, well, now I can't listen to you. And then when I hear Nazis get thrown around, I go, now I can't listen to you. And then I just saw a documentary and it was—it must have been, it was about the guy next door. The devil next door. devil next door. That was
2: a badass documentary, wasn't Holy it? Holy shit. You know what was rough about that documentary and what I liked about it? I, I, know, I know who I am politically. Yeah. Like when I see a documentary about a criminal, I always, 99% of the time, I'm like, the criminal's innocent, because I just yeah. have no faith in the criminal justice system. This is a
0: very interesting, this is a very very
2: interesting qu- topic you're bringing up. Keep going. So, that's always my perspective. Yeah. I'm always like, he didn't do it, they didn't do it, they framed him, I just don't trust, I wouldn't, ne- I don't think I'd ever serve on a jury, because I just don't trust, I just don't trust the criminal justice system so much that I just wouldn't feel comfortable ever convicting anybody of anything. Yeah. Although, I know there are criminals in the world. That documentary, it fucks with you so hard because you're like it's him and then the next minute you're like i don't think it's him, I think it's him and then all. it just goes back and forth and you never really get a sense in your gut 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 did this guy do it well i think they found out that he wasn't a... he was something he right? was something but he may not be the guy but he was not a good guy he was yeah it is funny to be uh to get finally uh no don't worry they exonerated him he wasn't the worst nazi in the world he was just a really bad nazi he was
0: just a really he wasn't ivan the Terrible. it is fucking bizarre though by the way spoiler alert if you haven't seen this and you want to see this it's you r- should watch it it is, is, is great i watched it so quickly and because i found that i i the first i have what's what is it a non uh nonverbal bias like a a subconscious bias
2: in what direction in
0: in every direction that lends itself to me. Okay. <laughs> so like whatever I always put myself in that situation. Right. And then if I can. So like so uh is a very very easy perfect example um and and it's not and it's not a bad angle. When not to bring this up again, but when I got molly by Ari, I immediately I mean, I'm talking immediately Understood the plight of all the Cosby victims immediately. That's wait during being high. No, no, no. The next when you when you came that weekend. That weekend, I was in like low dopamine or serotonin mode, and I immediately empathized with every single one of them. Now, previous to that, I had been someone that was like, you know, I I knew he was guilty, but I was like, I mean, that seems like a lot. I wonder how many. I wonder how many lied. Like, I wonder if Janice Dickinson was telling the truth. I wonder if there's a couple that jumped into the second I got mollied, I was like, I believe every single one of them, and it, it's so crazy that I did that. Like, I do that with I do that with everything. Anytime someone commits a crime, so I if it's a man versus a woman, I automatically I don't even notice that I do it, but I lean to the man's side. Is that right? Um, every time. That's interesting. Like, like uh, Scott Peterson, mm-hmm. it was so clear he killed his wife, but immediately I was like, hold on, hold on, one second. Like, let's just you know, and it's. I, I think it's just not whatever it is a subconscious bias that you don't even know you do it's I think you see it a lot on Twitter where people side with what they are real quick before they listen to the whole story well
2: that's exactly what we were talking about earlier not to get into specifically what we we're talking about but the idea of we were talking about rape culture if it's a it, it, yeah. is it a thing versus is it not it's a thing such a fucking thing the thing about rape—I was thinking about this as we drove over. Like the thing about rape culture, and then you mentioned earlier also cancel culture. Yeah. Now, the 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 right—I I hate using terms like right and left because I feel like they're they're, they're so in, in, inaccurate and they, they don't they don't sum up what's re, what reality is. But the the right would like to say rape culture is just a hysterical, overblown thing. There's no such thing. The left, heavy quotation marks, they want to say cancel culture doesn't exist because uh who's really been have you heard i don't know if you've heard this lately but that's a that's a talking point is that cancel culture doesn't exist who's been canceled who's who who's been actually canceled well billy bush i guess right he'll be back or or they you know they go like louie louie's still touring or they go like like no one's really been canceled and it's such a it's such a pathetically uh binary way to look at something it's like like, just like rape culture isn't just a person getting raped. It's also like 10,000, you know, jokes or laughing at the expense of a rape victim or the way people talk about women or the way boys were look, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Same thing with cancel culture. Just because Bill Cosby is the only person that's for all intents and purposes been effectively fully canceled. That doesn't, no one means that cancel culture is if you get canceled, you'll, you're literally never working again in this town. You have to open up a, you know, a subway franchise in Bisbee, Arizona. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's a spectrum, just like rape culture or whatever is a spectrum, just like white privilege or black privilege or economic privilege is a, everything's a spectrum, and no one sees anything in spectral terms anymore. Everybody's right. like, it's like a yes no and it's all trench warfare it's all like... no
0: warm water it's either hot or cold
2: yeah and the reason that there's no warm water is because everybody's on one side of an argument and they think if i admit that this phenomenon exists that means that i have tacitly agreed with my I- ideological opponent and that's the one thing i can't do yeah i can't do i remember
0: hearing jamie um jamie masada no. kilstein jamie kilstein talking yeah. to rogan about rape culture this must be like fucking eight years ago and I remember being on the side of like Joe and Rogan going, there's no such thing as rape. And, and this is a long time ago. It's not Joe's. I don't, I'm, I'm, I am i will not speak for Joe's opinions now, but if you, you can go, whatever, you can go back and listen to the podcast. But I remember thinking, rape culture? Like, what the fuck? And it was such a new term to me that you immediately go, what the fuck is that? Right. Like there's no look like, if a joke's funny, a joke's funny. I know no guy's advocating rape. Jokes don't advocate rape. But then, and we just talked about this, but like there was the concept of of uh, what happened in uh, in ba- in Revenge of the Nerds? Right, that, that was okay, and and just the idea that that movie greenlights that behavior, or in uh, Sixteen Candles uh-huh. when he goes, take my chick, have fun with her tonight. That that that, that and then she, and then he fucked her. She doesn't remember it. All she remembers was it was good, and now they'll
2: be boyfriend and girlfriend. Right, the idea that a lover can be so good at sex that. The woman will go like, you know what? <laughs> that was okay. <laughs> I didn't know it was you,
0: but now that I know it was you, right. I can look past the fact that you're a nerd and everyone hates you and you just sexually assaulted me in a bounce house. Like it's so insane. But that, that is the culture they're talking about. Not they're not I don't think they're talking about like and maybe they are, but like a rape joke, you know, like but if it's I've heard rape jokes before that I that Sarah Silverman had sure i had a ton and i laughed all the time and so like but i it's so funny i think i the more we're moving forward with what they call progress and i guess
2: progress has got to hurt at the beginning for it that, to work that's exactly right bert it's like right now we are in the middle of this like birth in in the middle of the birth the baby's head is crowning mm-hmm. and so it feels like just pain and chaos on every side Yeah, and you hope that eventually we'll get to the other side where people who have done things that you know like the positioning when somebody does something wrong now is either that person's a demon or that person's fully unjustly accused and is being vilified like that's the the binary black white thing like this person's actually an angel that is being swallowed up by cancel culture or this person is an evil human being without value and without worth and no no redemption is ever worthwhile from. but the reality is you know i was listening to this thing and I really want to plug my album. No, I'm just kidding. I was listening to this thing. Um, <laughs> I was listening to this. This you would love it actually. It's a it's a Radiolab two part episode called "In uh, In the Know." N O, not K N O W, but N N-O. O, okay. and it's all about consent and consent culture. And there was a woman on there that her job is to. She's a counselor for men usually who have been accused of sexual assault on college campuses. And she, her job is to counsel them and rematriculate them into colleges to to get them uh, back into college af- after they do their work of like realizing what happened and what what went wrong and blah blah blah. She gets them back into college, and she said that immediately, people's first uh, gut reaction to her work is, "Why would you put them back in college?" That's where they offended. Why did they get to go back to college? And she was saying that that question is inherently classist. Because when you think about it, and I had never thought about this before, but if you think about it, okay, a, there's a guy on a college campus that gets accused of sexual assault. He gets kicked out of the school, and then your your instinct is never back to school for you, but that guy doesn't disappear. He doesn't stop being a guy that w- is in the world, so where does he go? W- the, if he doesn't go back to college, what then he goes to McDonald's, or he goes to Home Depot, or he goes to... He gets. A, he goes back into society, and so you're essentially saying, like, when you say never let those people back into college, you're essentially saying take the rapist and put them with the poor people. Let him go. Let him go rape the poor. Oh, don't don't have him around our 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 upper crust people because yeah. these are these are the bad people. So the work has to be done. The, good,
0: the bad stuff can't happen to the wealthy. Yeah, right. Let it happen with the poor. They yes. are cool with rape. slough
2: him down there. Like Jesus. the idea that once a person is quote canceled, that they disappear it's not true they're still alive they're still in the world and if if we don't figure out this is what she was saying and i and i agree if we don't find some road to redemption, some people are irredeemable i'm not sure cosby deserves a road to redemption and i think at that age i don't think there is redemption i don't think
0: i think i i i think what you would do if you there's no redemption he's 70 what 79 years old right what are you gonna just let him live in his mansion and then there's no real punishment listen
2: a serial, a serial rape, we're in a different category. Yeah. But if you are a person who is, is, you know, victimized to someone and needs to find a way to do the work to admit what you did and then find a way back into society, either you find that way and we all kind of agree on it or you don't. And then what you have is a person who you, you already have admitted it, committed that kind of assault, who you're also saying to that person There's no way there's no way for you to ever redeem redeem yourself. There's no punishment that's that that will ever be good enough. But so that's fine if that's your position. But then what happens to that person? They're still alive. And now they're more isolated and demonized than ever. It's not like they just go and self heal and become a benign figure in society. Now you've got a real problem on your hand.
0: A, a tortured soul. Right. Who's I mean, not allowed to have things and to start blaming other people.
2: And not I, to and, and that same thing happens in the in the prison industrial complex. Uh, like that's exactly what happens. There's a young person who's 16 years old who robs a liquor store and they go to prison for robbing a liquor store. And rightfully so, you should go to prison when you do when you commit a crime, mm-hmm. but then you go to prison and you become institutionalized, and you exit prison a much more hardened criminal than you were when you went in, and now there's no hope for you. And now what you've got is a person that goes from from liquor store robber, to person robber, to person killer, to mass murderer, to yeah. life in prison.
0: It's, I, I this is, I'm certain is not gonna be a popular opinion, but the, when the Ray Rice stuff happened, when I heard he hit his wife, I didn't, I was one of the many who just was like, I. Everyone gets into arguments. I, I've never hit my wife, but I'm I'm sure it was something that wasn't that bad. I'm sure it was, I'm sure they're making it worse. And then you see the punch, you're like, okay, that was fucking horrific. <laughs> yeah. Holy fuck! And you're like, that was one of, I've never been hit like that in my life. Right. And then I thought they were like, he'll never play in the NFL again. And I was like, Good, good. Like that, whatever the fuck is wrong with him, that's fucking insane. And then I thought, I wonder how that affected his wife i wonder how that affected women in relationships with nfl players who are abusive who are getting hit who now are afraid to speak up because they're afraid they'll lose their lifestyle that they've grown accustomed to where they go well fuck i don't want to say anything he's an animal but at least he's my animal and i have a fucking i have nice stuff and i I don't want to go back to i just don't want to go back to being poor like it's crazy it almost it almost it punished both of them as opposed to giving him a road
2: to redemption and her a voice or a platform. You know, it's a complicated issue because it's like people that do things wrong, do do society, a, a stable society punishes people for doing wrong, not only because things that are wrong deserve punishment, but because the theory is anyway, that the, that, that the, the idea that wrong actions have consequence creates stability in a society. If you have a society where it says wrong action has no consequence, then everybody will do anybody. anybody will yeah. The purge begins. So you balance that with the fact that we've overcorrected towards punishment, and this is beyond rape culture and cancel culture and outrage culture. This is into like the criminal justice system. Back to where we're talking about. Meek Mill, exactly. Dude,
0: I we we sat in here talking about Meek Mill so much, where I was like, I was like, I, I did once again. Uh, and it's this. I wish I could write the coming the exact thing, but this subconscious bias of me re- reading his rap sheet off to Halston and going, the guy's had a lot of chances, and then I found out, no, he actually hasn't. He's been on parole for six fucking years. Uh-huh. So if you're telling, and off of one bullshit thing, and I'm look, I don't know the whole. I'm just, I'm just paraphrasing. If you're getting upset because you're like, fuck that, listen, I'm just paraphrasing. But the problem at hand wasn't just that he had been breaking his probation. The problem was. That they were giving young black men longer probations than normal because that was a way to keep them in the system. That was a way to keep them, that was a way to keep them what they thought was like out of society's hair, but it was just setting them up to fail. Everyone's gonna get in a little bit of trouble in 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 a in a 10-year span. And especially, I think I was, on, I was on parole for like fucking 12 years. That and that would have never happened to me. A hundred percent. I would if I had gotten arrested, I got in trouble. I would have gotten off parole within a year, easy. I'm certain my dad would have. My dad, this is uh, this is white guy's privilege talking right now, so hard. But like, my dad would have got it dismissed, thrown out. Like my dad, I, I my dad's a lawyer. I would have had fucking ten lawyers taking a look at this. No, that's uh, that's a hundred. You know, did you ever see the thirteenth, the documentary? I did. I started watching it, but I was like, I was like, I don't think I get this. I don't know what it was talking about. And then and then someone told it to me. I was like, oh, I think I
2: thought it was something else. Right. I mean, it is that idea that at a certain point, the criminal justice system sort of switched over from becoming in the 70s. Listen, and to be fair, the 70s, things were a little crazy. Crime was out of control. Nobody went to prison and crime was pretty insane. And so to to fight that, that's not really what the 13th is about. That's much more ancient days. But to fight that, the criminal justice system started switching to this extremely severe uh, version of criminal justice where you went to prison automatically and quickly and not only did you go to prison automatically and quickly that you would get charged with like multiple 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 charges so if you rob a liquor store back in the 70s or whatever you'd be charged with uh, larceny or whatever is that right is it larceny yeah is that what larceny is i had
0: a dream someone stole my cell phone and i explained to them uh and he was a offend- this is a dream i had last night he was stole my cell phone and he handed it off one of the security guards security guard put it in his pocket and i said it's in his pocket and the sh- cop showed up and the cop said, you know what? He's a fencer. Why don't we just cut off his hand? And this kid was like, oh, man. And then we ended up cutting this kid's hand off in this my dream just to get myself phone back. That's old school. And then the cop was like, well, it is a 800. That's grand larceny. And I was like, really? So it is larceny. Yeah, it is. So larceny. if you
2: robbed a liquor store back in the day, it would have been charged with larceny or whatever. But now if you rob a liquor store, you're going to be charged with larceny. You're going to be charged with, uh, you know, brandishing a firearm. You're going to be charged with larceny with a with a deadly weapon, larceny with a loaded weapon. You know, it's like yeah, they, it's they like- do this thing called charge stacking. And what the, the what the effect of that has is that you have so many charges, the punishment for which is like 500 years that you're always going to take a plea deal unless you're rich. And you don't have to take a plea deal because you can hire a super high-powered lawyer who can get all these charges dismissed and dropped. And eventually what happens is that the whole thing gets dismissed or the thing that you're being charged with is so minor that you're willing to go to trial with it or accept a good plea bargain. But what happens with all this charge stacking, especially when you've got overworked and uninterested d- district attorneys that are the ones that are th- all you can afford if you come from an impoverished neighborhood, you've got, you're facing 500 years, you got a shitty, tired district attorney that's not really that motivated because he's got 90 the other cases he all he wants for you to do is take the plea is that you take the plea even if you didn't do anything wrong. Some, often that happens. You're accused of something you didn't even do. I mean, that's the de facto positioning. You're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. Oh, so, not in this country. At least theoretically, you are You might be innocent, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, and you, You're facing 500 years. You've got a district attorney who's not going to fight for you. What would you do? You'd take the fucking plea and do two years instead of 80, right? Two
0: years, four years, patro-
2: uh, patrol, parole. And then you go in. You do your two years. You come out. You're a more hardened criminal than when you entered in the first place. You can't. N- now you got a, a black mark. On your on your resume, so you can't go out into the world and get a get a job. I mean, would you hire a, an ex con? Maybe you're you know you're an unusual. I think I hire an ex con working for me. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but most people wouldn't. Most people would see that as a huge red flag. Yeah. So you go back into the impoverished neighborhood you came from. Now you got a criminal record, and you've been in prison for two years. The whole world's bad. This is how we create criminals, not how we fight crime. Mid roll reads. Mid-roll reads.
0: What are they? These are mid-roll reads. It's a new year. The perfect opportunity to take your business to the next level by hiring the right people. Having the right people on your team makes your team that much better. I am surrounded by the right people. But finding those right people, the qualified candidates, can be challenging. ZipRecruiter.com slash BirdCast makes it easy. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't just stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find the right people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As the applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter, get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BurkCast. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash BurkCast. Z-I-P-R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R.com slash B-E-R-T-C-A-S-T. ZipRecruiter.com slash BurkCast. The smartest way to hire. If you're like me, you've got stuff. Lots and lots of stuff. Lots and lots of stuff you don't use. Maybe never use. Stuff that doesn't spark joy in your life. Now that the New Year's is here, it's time to finally deal with all that stuff. And I'm not talking about hiding it in the closet, throwing it in the garage, or getting a storage unit. I'm talking about selling it. Selling it on Macari. You know Macari. The selling app that makes selling almost anything fast and easy easy. So here's where you begin. You go through your home and you find all the stuff you didn't use in 2019. The phone in the drawer, those jeans that you wore only once, or maybe the jeans you bought for the special that didn't fit when you got to the special because you lost too much weight and now you have a brand new pair of jeans. Or maybe it's that handbag hiding in the back of your closet. Listing things takes a minute. You take a few pictures, add a description, and boom, your item is connected to millions of buyers on the app. Makari even emails you a shipping label when it sells. Everything ships, so there is no awkward meetup with strangers, which is great now that it gets dark early at night. The app has over 500,000 reviews on the App Store with an average of 4.8-star rating, so why not give it a try? Ring in the new year with less stuff in your home and more money in your pocket with Macari. That's M-E-R-E. C-A-R-I, M-E-R-C-A-R-I, Mercari, the selling app. Anyway, why are we talking about this? I don't know. It's so funny. I think think it's all about, it's like the binary and non-binary. And, you know, so funny is that I think for the first time, comedians are are like, when they talk about political correctness or comedians, I I know someone asked me about it the other day and I go, I don't really, like, you just tell the joke. If they're good jokes, people get it. And even if they're bad jokes, people get it. And I think... Your attempt at a joke, I think sometimes just straight up words don't make us, you know, you know, what we I, I I I stumble over the saying it because I don't want to keep his name in the lexicon. But you know, Shane Gillis, what he did, mm-hmm. I don't know per I don't if it was a joke, it was a, it was a bad joke. It was two guys riffing. I get that. I mean, I get guys riffing. Um,
2: it's, but I think I think I, I'm not. I don't care really about political correctness like, I, I hear you and on stage don't you feel I mean you're in a different position because like the perform the the crowd you perform for largely are all there to see you always yeah. you know well, that's well then you can get a slippery slope because you get real comfortable saying right. things, and then all
0: of a sudden you're saying a joke that's getting a big laugh to your fans your fans are like-minded and they're thinking well Bert I'll
2: give Bert a pass because I know that he doesn't mean it that way but and the truth but the truth I that's true but also the truth is on stage I don't find that the Things that we're talking about in blogs and publications is as true on stage. Like this idea that comedians are in this persecuted class. I just don't really, I'm not really believing that. On stage, it it doesn't feel like that. It feels like I can kind of talk about whatever I want. If it's funny enough, people will laugh. If it's not, I mean, there are differences. Like you don't do what I do, which is you don't go to the alt rooms ever, basically, right? So I do both of them and i feel the difference and and i would say i've done a couple alt rooms yeah. i said fat chicks one time and, uh, not so much and it w- really
0: cut the room in half right and um and it was bizarre it was bizarre like just to watch just to watch the room like fucking freeze and i was uh-huh. like and, and you know i got to be honest with you sometimes it's good to go to those rooms and hear the way you're talking
2: bounce back at you in an awkward right. way I do you, you, the same thing is true at the comedy store sometimes for yeah. me if I have a bit that's a little bit on the like the more progressive political because everything I do that's I don't do a lot of political stuff but everything I do that's like vaguely political is like it's a left-leaning political idea expressed through incredibly juvenile and offensive terms like that's that's yeah. who I am as a comedian if if nothing else right it's like when it, when it comes to politics like it's always like I, I mean, I am who I am. I'm a Bay Area guy. I just—I—I I, I politi- p- politically, I—I I lean way left. You were born. You were born. You were born in—in
0: a, in a culture that was so far left. You had no idea that you could. There was. There's no
2: way they could have made you conservative. They, oh like, no, I, I agree. Unless I'd really hated my mom. I mean, know? it
0: would have had to be such a fucking. It would, like a bunch of tree huggers sexually
2: assaulting you <laughs> with a tree in hate street yeah yeah with a tree <laughs> and that would have been that would have had deeper dragging
0: problems. you into san francisco from oakland <laughs>
2: <laughs> but but i also came up in comedy in the era where the primary thing was not speaking truth to power or fighting for free speech which is like the two uh, the two like the two polar ends of comedy right now it's like yeah. we're free speech warriors or we're here to give the disenfranchised a voice. Neither of those things were interesting to me when I started comedy. All the people, my sort of north stars were just people that were saying, all that matters is, are you funny? That was the, so I've always been a dude that worked clubs and worked alt rooms. You, you've
0: always been able to go back and forth. There are guys that, it's so funny when you say that. I wonder, I wonder if you could dissect why alt comedy was so big when it was like in the early 2000s Late nineties, early two thousands, and then why
2: it just isn't now. Why it why not only and you'll forgive me, why not not only why is it not so big now, but also I don't want to call like the Rogan world the opposite. Because I don't think it's the opposite. But why is it not only that alt's not big, but the kind of the the opposite of alt comedy is big like the more yeah, bro comedy masculine kind of like Id- bill
0: burr dave chappelle yeah
2: rogan segura what are the what are the cultural forces that have kind of like flipped kevin hart and by the way the whole time it wouldn't it would be unfair not to mention this the whole time alternative comedy was big in the early 2000s it's not like dudes like bill burr weren't big yeah. it, it, it just wasn't where the uh the magnifying glass was and now the magnifying glass is kind of on in the other so there's still a lot of great alternative comics that work those rooms that are really big and have big fan bases and are you know have heat and are doing cool stuff but right now it does seem like the the fuel or whatever is on the is on the comedy store world
0: it's so funny i'm gonna say this This is gonna sound super uh probably arrogant
2: but I, i don't mean it as arrogant but i will say it i'll try to say it the right way you're listening to qualifying our statements with Bert Kreischer. And Jesus, Christ. how many times? And I don't mean this in this way, but yeah. I mean it.
0: In- well, you know what it is. I listen to podcasts sometimes. I get so fucking angry right. listening to podcasts. Right, right. I was listening to one last night at a panic attack at one in the morning, and I was listening to one, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Shut the fuck up!" Uh-huh. Like, that's not you're. You're not even telling the truth. You're not even hearing the other side. And so, I I just happened to me last night, and I was up all night listening uh-huh. to one. I'll tell you now. Who. I want to know. Fair. Okay, yeah. great. <laughs> uh, and I was that I am super hypersensitive to it. Um, I was such a fan of alt comedy. Yeah. Yeah. See, I know gotta, we've talked about this before, but like the, if, if we'll, let's just call, let's just call it, uh, alpha comedy as, okay. as, as opposed to bro comedy. But it's like, it's men. It's m- not, not just men. Whitney Cummings, sure. Eliza Schlesinger, right. Ali Wong. There are a lot of women doing it in that, in that alpha culture, but right. that's probably fucking wrong. But, I was such a fan of alt comedy, and I think what happened is I personally think a lot of un untalented comics comics go to whatever's popular. Yeah. So I think what was happening is when,
2: oh, that's a hundred percent true. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I I think what happened is before alt comedy, untalented comics were going to mainstream comedy, the club comics. They were, uh, you know. I know what you're thinking when you see this shirt. Uh, I'm, what did I just uh, rob a McDonald's? I know, I know. Hey, give him his sheets back. Uh-huh. Like, hey, you know, like that yeah, was yeah, popular. Yeah. And so I think a lot of untalented people went there. And I think the talented people, Janine, Patton, Sarah, uh, Todd Glass, yourself, Natasha, all these really talented people went to more of an alt scene because that was what was good. That was right. what you liked. That's where the cool stuff was. And then I think and then I think there was a group of us, and I'll I'll use myself as one of them and I'll use Segura as another one mm-hmm. who were huge fans of that scene as well. We were looked a certain way. We had a certain look, so we weren't accepted because we weren't we were just like jeans and sneakers and maybe a fucking like a uh, uh, shirt with flames on it or something. I don't know, sure, whatever classic. we looked we looked like the Fieri we call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We looked like cheese dicks, so we weren't accepted, but we were fans of it. Right. And so, and then I, and then what I think happened is all the new comics flooded to the alt scene and they weren't good. There were a lot of really, really, I mean, I saw so many, but it was this glad handing of like, no, no, this guy's legit. Look at his shirt. He referenced. He referenced. He referenced a robot. You know, come on. You know, we like robots. Yeah. And did you hear his Wolverine? Like an owl
2: coming out of the third eye of a robot on yeah. a rainbow made of dreams. Yeah, that kind and, of re, re, heavy reference.
0: Yeah, and then oh, did you catch that Stan Lee reference? Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah, And I think that all they saw was Patton. Patton's interests, and they wrote for Patton's interests so that. But, but we all do this. No, and then I think I will say that myself, and I'll claim Segura's this too. Have a very alt vibe in doing stand-up. I think we look a certain way, we talk a certain way. Obviously, I perform my shirt off, but I am a legit storyteller. Sure. And that would not have played when I started. You, I could not have just done but that. you
2: know the opposite's true too. It's like you go to And that's why I always really consider myself right in the middle of those two worlds. To By the way, to my detriment. I feel like if I had been a little more one thing or the other, it, it might have been it, I might have <laughs> blown up harder, you know what I mean? Like if I I always feel like I'm too I a little too offensive for the alt people, and a little yeah. too the cucky for the for the really the hard what's, uh, the alphas. But What's happening now though? Yeah. Is all the bad
0: comics are going are leaning they all start it's bad comics are just zombies right right right. they they leaned one way in the 90s then they went all in the 2000s and they're coming back this way yeah and so you're getting a lot of like fucking really bad comics that don't have a point of view but they know what rogan's is and they know what bills is and they know what
2: segura's is and joe coy and and fluffy and they just go and they know how to make a like you you'll often see it with like edgy stuff they know how to make an offensive reference yeah but it's like that's not quite a joke if you just go like boko haram baby isis this pussy 9-11 you're like okay that's that's a series of offensive things anything else like no and then that same guy would have been going like incredible hulk baby she hulk she Ra, he man you're like okay neither one of these really works
0: so and i think i bet i wouldn't be shocked if the alt scene has a huge resurgence like (laughs) There's a but other- it'll be it'll be different. They all seen because it'll it like if you if you the hack comics, which was what Janine and all them were fighting against in the early two, early two thousands, the hack comics. We who would have just you know probably been whatever. We aren't. We didn't go there. We made our own thing
2: the new alt scene will be something totally different. I totally. And it was, what's funny is you'll sometimes see a comic like at the store or something making fun of like alt comedy and they're doing a hack character of an alt comic. Yes. And so the new hack is like, you know, I mean, if I was to do that, it's something like, you know, it's just like, Hey, you know, we got to stop these guns and we got to no more trigger warnings. Cause there's no more trigger, you know, it's like yeah. that. And, you look at the alt comedy making fun of the hack comedian. You ever seen like an anti-comedy character? Like there's some that are great, like Neil Hamburger, hilarious, the best ever. But sometimes you see these, these like an anti-comedy hack comic character and the comedian they're making fun of does not exist anymore. Like nobody's, no one is, no one is getting on stage at a comedy club going like, you know, what's up with the airline food and men and women? Hey, they're, it's like that person hasn't existed in 22 years, right? Yeah. So that, that happens too. You start skewering some version of comedy that basically doesn't even exist anymore.
0: Yeah. You know what it was? You know what it was? It's the and I think now there's so many ways to ways to make a living. It was one of the guys we were talking about on the porch is those guys that never had an act. They just know how to say words that buzzwords that get followers that tr- like light people up. It, you're right. It's just shit comics. But that the was... good ones, the good ones all respect each other exactly, and the good ones are all doing their own thing, and it's just like I saw Fahim Anwar recently just do his uh can't can't stop Lance can't
2: stand and stop I just it? was
0: like that's just I just love seeing something so refreshing where you're like where you're saying to yourself what is this like uh-huh. what what am I like that's why I love Brody so much I so many times I said. What is he doing? Like, I couldn't figure it out myself.
2: And I'm a professional comedian. That's what I love. I love watching a comedian and going, that's how I feel about Maria Bamford.
0: Oh my That's, God. that's how I feel about Brent. Have you seen Brent Weinbach? No, I know, I know Brent. Brent is such a fascinating guy because he has that same thing that I, when I talk to him, I feel like I'm talking to Brody where I go, is he fucking with me? Like, like what's going well, on? Well, Brent's
2: like one of my best friends. He's, full full disclosure. Oh. But he is such a fucking killer on stage. He's so Dude. hilarious. But you look at him and you go, I also felt this way watching The Watchman. You look at it and you go, I don't know what thing you're doing. Yeah. It's working. It's working. But I don't know how to do it. Like when I see like, you know I see Bill Burr, I go, okay. Well, he's better than me. But I know what he's doing. Like at least it's, yeah. it feels in the same river that I'm swimming in. I see somebody like Maria or Brent Weinbach or these kinds of people. I go, I don't even know what river. This, is this a river? Like I, where are we right now? Maria
0: Bamford is. Maria Bamford was the first per first person to get me to look sideways at comedy was Zach Galifianakis.
2: Sure, because uh-huh.
0: he was just so. You'd talk to him off stage, and he'd go on stage, and then. He would create videos. Do you remember that video of him just singing throughout Hollywood?
2: No. No, although I do think Zach is one of the funniest human beings ever to exist.
0: He is so fucking funny. And then Maria Bamford was the next one. And this is when I first recognized the power of the internet. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if it was true. She had got sent to rehab in Minnesota, and she had the Maria Bamford show because she was living in her mom's, and it was all done sideways on a bed of her doing characters. Do you remember that? Uh Uh-uh. Oh my god, it was the most genius thing I'd ever seen and I you didn't know what was real and what wasn't real. The idea was she had a nervous breakdown and they sent her back to Minnesota and she had gotten out of rehab and she was now living with her parents and she was doing a show out of her bedroom from her bed sideways. She was laying sideways on her bed and she was telling you the story of her day but doing all the characters. Uh-huh. And it was
2: fucking next level no she's a genius and I think the thing that saddens me sometimes when I I, re, I mean 99% of this like comedy civil war is just like some idiot writing a headline and then other idiots going like I read a headline it must yeah. be true but to the extent that we're like bifurcating as a community it's sad to me because like like I said when I came up when I started the whole thing was like, are you funny? And what I was always impressed with, and I think this exists less today than it did four years ago, I was always impressed with the idea that like, at the at the same club, you'd have Ted Alexandro and Nick DiPaolo. Yeah. And like that comedians had this ability to, even though you might be diametrically opposed in your viewpoints about the world and about politics and stuff, because we all cared about a third thing that was more important than any of the other things, not more important in the world, but more important in our little closed circuit of culture, which yeah. was... Are you funny? Yeah. That you could get along with people that were so different from you. Like, and I think that as the world has gone, so too has the world of comedy. Like I think that people are drifting apart, like well, scenes are drifting apart and 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 people feel like adversaries, not uh not coworkers, you yeah. know, now and I hate that. It bugs me. I hate oh. it. And I've always been I'm friends with everybody. I try to be friends with everybody because I like everybody who's funny. Yeah i like just anyone that's funny i like i don't me too i don't
0: but i don't. i don't know a lot of names i don't know a lot of people and so i feel like i feel like people may know me and have an opinion of me but i don't and then i just show up there's a guy i don't know his name and i'm gonna i'm gonna describe him it's gonna sound bad as i describe him You'll, but as i if i could describe him this way i think
2: hook Junos, money falling <laughs> out of his pockets no, uh, no, demon no, horns. no no
0: no no real dark skin <laughs> 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 um he uh I think I th- I'm almost certain he's autistic, and he's got okay. three names. And you gotta uh, give
2: me more. This is a fun game, though. He's uh, autistic. He's got three names. I think
0: he's, and I apologize if he's not, but I'm almost certain he is. And he had a joke. He was one of those guys that I strive to be like, uh-huh. where it's like they write jokes that no one else is writing. Yeah. He had a joke about. He called his friend up to see if his friend wanted to see, place name of movie that he wasn't stretching to make it. Uh, Make it an obscure reference. It was real. Like, I I called my friend to to see uh, Butterfly or whatever, some movie that I'd never heard of, but I'd heard of. And and he said he couldn't go because he was polishing his robot. And he was like, Just tell me you don't want to see a movie with me. Like, uh, Eric Charles Nielsen. That guy is so fucking goddamn funny. That guy is so goddamn funny. (laughs) And he's so different. He is definitely different. That I sit in the back and I go, I like am mesmerized by it. I wrote a joke. I have maybe in my whole life of jokes, I got like three jokes that are as good as his, meaning authentic. Joke jokes. No, 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 no. I His best jokes are when you go, that was nowhere near my joke book. Like, uh uh-huh. because the joke about the robot, and he's like, just tell me you don't want to go to the movies with me. Obviously, clearly, you can get a smaller robot to polish that robot, and then, in fact, get a smaller robot to even polish that robot. And then, just tell me I don't want to it. it was so fucking funny that I was like, I want to be like that, like like Chappelle did it. But Chappelle did it in a more, in a more. When we say to Bill Burr, "I swim in the same river as you do," Ch- Eric Charles Nelson is in a different aqueduct <laughs> yeah, than yeah, I yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. perform
2: in. Right, and and Brody was in a different aqueduct. And to clarify exactly to clarify what I mean is like if I'm playing pickup ball at my local playground, I'm playing the same game as Michael Jordan. I'm not saying I'm about to I'm about to step on the court with him. No, yeah. No, and This no. I'm looking and I'm like, is this are we playing lacrosse here? Like what yeah. game Why is he is wearing this? a
0: helmet? Yeah. And you're like, wait, hold on.
2: What are we playing? I thought we were playing I basketball. This was basketball. Burr's
0: yeah. over here lacing up sneakers and this guy is stretching out his hamstring. The uh, but like like Chappelle was someone who inspired me when i saw his kicker in the pussy joke uh-huh and i went oh that's just that's the brilliance of a joke the brill- brilliance of a joke is make them forget what you're talking about and then surprise them with the punch like oh yeah but those guys and i i'm, uh, I'm always blown away like maria bamford who i could i could not no one's if they're doing Maria Bamford, you know they're doing Maria Bamford, right?
2: Right. She was. She is so talented. Yeah, and I think like I think that people get so. I I my theory on it is that actually comedians are incredibly incredibly insecure about their own art about the legitimacy of their own art form oh my God, yeah. they don't they don't actually believe in their heart of hearts that what they're doing is really an art form yeah. so they get so defensive over that that they say that's not what this is that's not what this is that's not what this is and for me it's like i would just can't it just be everything
0: well that's that's how i mean if you think about it i think if we're going to talk about those two scenes again alt comedy was derived out of a hatred of regular
2: comedy it's an interesting idea i Okay, okay. Like,
0: Janine's um, idea was those hacks over there. Those hacks are... I mean, yeah. I just... I've just heard her say that. And what do
2: you think the... What do you... Uh, so I what think we're calling because, Alpha.
0: What does that derive from? I think it was just... None of us were working, and we all felt we were talented, and we all created podcasts, and just started doing podcasts. Not that Alt wasn't doing podcasts. They were. Right. But we were just like... We didn't have the... Br- not, I'm not gonna say brilliance, because Mount sounds it sounds like I'm pandering, but, like, the brilliance of, like, fucking... Paul of Tompkins and those guys to create history themed uh-huh, sketch sure. comedy like we were like that's not going to happen for us. Right. We're not, not going. you would
2: have wanted it to happen for. I, you. I know.
0: Oh yeah, like I'm not going to come up with wait wait don't tell me or, 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 or all the things that they do that are where you're like or, comedy bang bang world of earwolf and like we were just like yo we can get high and sit and talk for a while. Right. And I think there was people going, "Oh yeah yeah, I don't
2: I have a hard time following those too." Yeah, but see for me it's like when I watch a movie like, I don't watch I don't watch Ladybird and not saving Private Ryan. See, like, I don't watch Ladybird. I'm just saying, like, when it comes to movies <laughs> I like, don't even know
0: what Ladybird is, oh. but I immediately wanna pass. I immediately <laughs> you,
2: you wanna I, hit me. You just made a fist. I at don't me, know then. what Ladybird
0: is at all. <laughs> but the, just the name you know of what i'm
2: about to give you the Ladybird challenge i bet you'd really love it because it's about a it's about a teenage girl coming into her own as a in, in her identity And i bet because you've got daughters you actually would really like oh Lady for Bird. real yeah i think you'd like it i I, right. I could be wrong me and the girls are watching Ladybird tonight. yeah i think I, I think you guys will love it i'm texting my daughters we're watching Ladybird tonight watch well, they're gonna be like i already saw it dad <laughs> not interested cut i showed my daughter's jaws last night you know, it's funny. I never seen Jaws. And I just I did a podcast where you write a script to a movie you've never seen. And the script that I wrote was the script for Jaws. See, that? what's that podcast? It's called I've Never Seen It. That's fucking.
0: See, that's that's what I say when I go like, I'm super unoriginal. My podcast is just a derivation of Marin and Joes. And just because I liked both those podcasts. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to have to put too much work in. I just want to bring in my friends and bullshit for an sure. hour or
2: plus but and there then, are these high concept podcasts and the other the other I, I, it's so pathetic to even though the other because i don't consider it an other world i for me i don't consider it another world. i consider it all comedy it's I, all but I've history did, no, hyenas but done, and kill tonys and things like that those are high concept
0: podcasts and, i think i some i've gone over to uh pod do podcasts that are like earwolf podcasts. yeah i think earwolf's like an alt vibe right sure yeah and i've been completely lost really yeah like when you go in and you're like i didn't know we had to have characters like i like i don't know what i'm laughing at because i'm like because everything's already established and like the fans are right, it. Right. and i just jump in doug love movies doug loves movies was that's a high con well that's, an that's a high kinda. concept alt podcast but i i mean i famously was like i don't listen to the games and uh-huh. not famously but i told doug one time i don't listen to the games so i don't the games bore me uh-huh. So like I just listen to the first part where you guys fuck around. That's my favorite part.
2: Oh, you don't listen to the actual loves movies part. I have no interest in that
0: because <laughs> I don't know. Any, I don't know any of the references. So I'm like,
2: eh. it's movies, Bert.
0: I yeah, but there are always movies like uh, ten movies that uh, Diane Keaton. Yeah, started, I hear and I'm, you. Like,
2: I'm like, by the way, I'm I am very bad at that game because I'm not I'm not a movie buff. Although Natasha and I have been doing for the past two years we've been because we when she got pregnant we started we thought it'd be a good game we're watching every best picture winner in order oh my god so i've seen every best picture winner so far i'm not totally caught up you would think i would have been caught up by now it's been over two years but uh we're on like 2007 right now but i've seen every movie since 19 i think 29 now wow birth of a nation Birth of a Nation is not best picture. Well, I Although was a- it was the greatest picture ever made for 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 us. Wait, you know was it, I mean? wait, wasn't wasn't Birth of a Nation? Oh, that was just the first movie. That was not the first movie either, but it might have been the first blockbuster. Birth of a Nation, for those listening who don't know, is like a strange silent film about the start of the Ku Klux Klan, and it's <laughs> uh it's shown in every film class, but it is definitely know what Birth of is. It's a rough one. It's but not
0: if- it's not as funny as it sounds. It's. <laughs> <laughs> but, by the way, by the way, I want to say uh, Ralphie May called one of his specials "Girth of a Nation." Hilarious, hilarious. So you know, because but-
2: I'm fat and the KKK. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, <laughs> Ralphie, no. I said to Whitney
0: the other day something about Ralphie. Ralphie was like 600 pounds. He goes, "I heard he's losing weight." Oh, I was <laughs> like, oh, oh, the, oh, Ralphie. But yeah, it's it's uh, that's a great idea. Leanne and I watched when I first started dating Leanne. I quit drinking for like eight months, and I we would sit in bed and watch movies i'd heard of but didn't know what they were uh-huh. like i would like the philadelphia story i'd heard of that and i was like what is that you, you, philadelphia or the philadelphia story philadelphia story uh, what's that i don't know what oh that is. that's like an old school um audrey hepburn audrey hepburn and and uh carrie grant maybe i don't know jimmy oh. jimmy
2: jimmy I don't know. Let me tell you. I don't, I, didn't, I don't have a great retention. The movies are bad for, I would say, 30 years.
0: Did you watch Sophie's Choice? It's Catherine Hepburn, by the Catherine way.
2: Hep- Catherine Hepburn. Thank you. Yeah. Did you watch Sophie's Choice? I think I've seen it. I I don't,
0: there was a joke on the Golden Globes about Sophie's Choice, and I was like...
2: What, what is I, Sophie's Choice? Yeah, I don't know. Right. It's a, you had to choose between... I think it was killing one of your kids, maybe. What? I think that's what it was. That makes that so
0: not as funny as I thought it was. Wait,
2: am I wrong? I might be wrong. I think that that was the choice. I think she had to kill one of her kids. Hey, Siri, what was Sophie's choice?
1: Meryl Streep stars as Sophie, a Polish immigrant who shares a boarding house in Brooklyn with her tempestuous lover, Nathan, and a young writer, Stingo.
2: No, that doesn't sound like she had to kill one of her kids, although I like mine
0: better. Why that's, by the way, this is not... I thought it was the mob or something. They did a... What? <clears throat> Flashbacks reveal her harrowing story from
2: pre-war prosperity to Auschwitz. Oh, Sophie had to pick which kid to leave in. Uh-huh. Sophie and Nathan's relationship increasingly unravels as Stingo grows closer to Sophie and Nathan's fragile mental state becomes ever more apparent. What's wrong with me? Why did I think that was a movie about murdering a child? Uh,
0: here we go. Sophie, after Nathan believes Sophie has betrayed him again, he calls Sophie and Stingo to the, on the phone and fires a gun in a violent rage. Sophie and Stingo flee the hotel. She reveals to him that upon arrival at Auschwitz, she had to she was forced to choose which one of her two children would be gassed. Yes! I was,
2: was right, goddammit! Yes! <laughs> the first time
0: anyone's cheered at a gassing. <laughs> which one was going to be gassed and which one would proceed to the later labor camps to avoid having both children killed she chose her son Jan to be sent to the children's camp, and
2: her daughter Ava to be sent to death. Well, there you go, folks. It turns out I was right, both about the plot of Sophie's Choice and about the people that made it out of the Holocaust. I think I've mixed up Sophie's Choice and Heartburn. I what's Heartburn?
0: I think that's with Jack Nicholas and Jack Nicholson.
2: Jack Nicholas, the pro Jack golfer. Nicholson.
0: By the way, this is why. So, man, you want to know? You want to really enrage people that listen to this podcast? Is whenever I talk about anything political, because I don't, I don't really know anything about politics. They go, "You say you don't know anything about politics, then you throw this shit on the internet, dude. What the fuck? Stay in your fucking lane, Bert." And I'm like, I can also, have, I can also just play around. But like, uh, yeah, Jack Nicholas, Jack Nicholson is that's why I don't, that's why I shouldn't say anything fucking smart.
2: I had a grandmother. Speaking of Holocaust survivors, I had a step grandmother. My step grandmother was a Holocaust survivor and a very, very, very mean, mean person. And at my stepsister's wedding, um, we all came, my brother and I were the product of my father's first marriage. And then there was like all the new kids from the new marriage and they were taking the family portrait and she gets up and she goes, Baba. She goes, okay, let's do one more picture. This time, only the family. Moshe, David, can you step to the side? And they took the same picture of like 30 people. but oh It was just me and God. my brother standing on the sidelines.
0: Holy shit.
2: Yeah, man. So that's what I was dealing with.
0: God, so wait, what? I would love, you know, we're, 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 we're I'm doing a show for Netflix right now. Mm-hmm. And they were pitching ideas of things we can do and one of the ones i wanted to do just one of the sketches that we we never got to and maybe we'll do it if we do more Is of it these. a sketch show or are you not It's not a sketch show it's kind of really it it's yet. really hard to explain. Uh-huh. Like I, I my manager was up there yesterday and he's like i really don't think i understand the
2: concept of your tv show. Do you understand it? Not entirely. Okay. <laughs> Does someone understand it? Nope. Maria Bamford, that's who understands it. I think it's going to be i i personally
0: think it's going to be a really fantastic show because people the same way you sit and would watch brody and go what the fuck is this it's gonna be like that i think people are gonna go like hold on
2: i love that is this
0: is this scripted like hold on this there's no way that could have happened like wait what the fuck
2: that's awesome is, who's who's directing it uh jeff tomzik that's so cool man yeah, I'm jeff to it. it's
0: really it's the biggest production i've ever been on in my entire life it's massive i mean it's a really? massive budget and um how much specifically are you getting paid for it and no, i'm just kidding i'm just uh, kidding <laughs> More than I've ever been paid for a fucking TV show. That's so exciting, man. But, I can't wait to see but, it. I, but one of the things, and it's been, I mean, every episode, we're doing six episodes, every episode, there has been stuff where not only am I crying laughing, but the fucking cameramen are crying laughing. And by, by the way, there's no way we can get the laughs out. Like it's going to have to, you're going to have to your laughs. pretty cool. There's no, it's so fucking bizarre. But one of the things, and, and the, the things we do in it, range from like really produced to very underproduced to like to like po- podcast kind of it's really hard to explain um i'll have a better idea when we edit it and we know what it is but but one of the things i wanted to do is i wanted to get high with joey diaz and Tom Segura and, and just find the oldest man in la that's still coherent and just sit at a campfire with him and just
2: talk i really like that idea I fucking i once went to a there's a, a restaurant if you ever do this this is the place you should look there's a restaurant in right by all the agencies in Beverly Hills. That's like, it's one of these restaurants that somehow made it through hipster, the hipsterification of Los Angeles. And it's like from a fucking another era. Like everyone you're sitting next to looks like they produced the sting or fucking, (laughs) you know, or Sophie's choice or like, or built the MGM lion or whatever. You know what I mean? Every person is like the most absurd senior citizen, Hollywood caricature you'll ever see in your life. Like Buffon, Phil Spector, Buffon and like, $9,000 Gucci glasses from 71. I walked into that restaurant and Arnold Schwarzenegger was there standing there. And he gave me a look. I will never forget the look that Arnold Schwarzenegger gave me. And I can only assume this is the look he gives to everybody. It was very clear what he was expressing to me. It was like, yeah, hey, it's me. (laughs) I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger. You're looking at me. This is a big moment for you. I know that this is a big moment for you pretty fucking cool huh like that was uh, that's what probably he gives to everybody but i always thought if you just put a podcasting like if you just sat for lunch at that restaurant with microphones everybody in there would have the story of stories oh
0: i i'm fascinated by I, but i'm fascinated by i think mostly in watching that double next door i'm fascinated by the experience of holocaust survivors because that was what was the most moving part of that movie was them allowing the people that had been in his his or theoretically, his uh, labor camp or killing—I think it was just a killing camp—to g- share their experiences of what they witnessed. It was powerful, for it was sure. So powerful. The I think probably the one like douche chill moment is when the guy goes up to him and the Ivan guy extends his hand to shake it. I went, yeah. I was- couldn't read that. I was like, I was like, either he is a sociopath, and he is, ju- and he has just passed. What what a regular person would do, or he's a fucking bumbling idiot who's like,
2: hi, very nice to meet you. Well, you know, it's like he could be both, man. And that's what's interesting about human, you know, there there's another very famous um Holocaust book. That's all I'm gonna be doing, by the way, Bert, when I come on your podcast from now on. Please. At some point I wanna reference my stand-up comedy album, but before I do that, (laughs) I want to tell you about all of the great Holocaust books that I've read, (laughs) the banality of evil. Uh, is by I think Hannah Arendt, but I could be wrong about the author. Anyway, the banality of, evil, or maybe that's just a concept in her book. But um, the banality of evil is like that. Uh, have you heard of that concept? That like mm-hmm. e- great evil gets done not from great evil doers. Not everybody's a Hitler. Almost no one's a Hitler. Yeah, it only requires a couple Hitlers and a million idiots to go mm-hmm. like. Oh, I guess we're doing that now. You know, like that's how evil happens. It's not from like stormtroopers going like, we hate the Jews, get them. It just requires like a soft-minded dummy to like accept that. I guess now we're throwing people in pits. And just not, and not questioning
0: authority and going, no, 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 Not standing up. It's like, it's like the other day I saw everyone was canceling Vince Vaughn because he shook hands with the president. <laughs> no,
2: that, that made me laugh because I was like, I was thinking to myself like, Vince Vaughn? Like not only is Vince Vaughn obviously is it not weird to talk to the president? It's so weird. I mean, like, I don't think I would want to do it, but like Vince Vaughn, are, did you think he was like a Black Lives Matter activist before this? Like he was, I mean, I would have put all of my life savings on the fact that he voted for Trump. Like what, would, wh- how are you shocked right now?
0: Is It was so crazy because then I started going, Ted, Nugent. I'm a
2: big, I'm a big bully
0: Bush guy, meaning like I am the guy. If you say something inappropriate, I just laugh and oh, go. Oh, sure. I want to get out of the moment. <laughs> sure. Like I'm sure, like, sure, I'm like sure. oh, good one. Oh, you, one the you, you, Yeah, as always, that's the thing. You, <laughs> threw, you threw you the Jews in the pit, did you? <laughs> <laughs> and so, if Trump came up to me, was like, "Hey, man, big fan." Of course. I would definitely, I will definitely be canceled tomorrow because I'd be the guy hugging him. Being
2: like, Where did Thank you see you. my, did you watch my special? I wonder what I would do. This is so funny how the conversation started with Would you have made it through the Holocaust? And it's ending with Would you would shake you, Trump's hand if he was a big shake, fan of your comedy?
0: If Trump came up and was like, Hey man, I know this is going to sound out of left field, but I read your book. And oh my I, God. And, I, and it was like such a moving memoir that like I just got to tell you. It made me find your comedy. Now I love your wife's show. It's oh like, Oh my God. Congratulations on the baby. Is You'd this is like, like
2: funny. It's like w- your political m- moral core versus your, p- the ego, which is first and foremost, oh, always right. I would be on what both I knees. Do? I don't know. You know, it's like, uh, the Kim Kardashian thing. Like uh, she's got a lot of issues, but like, I just nope. spent, by the way, I just spent the day with Caitlyn
0: Jenner. So. Oh really? Oh yeah. Interesting. <laughs> oh fucking interesting. But it's an understatement, I want to hear everything. Oh my god, it was fucking phenomenal. It was such a fascinating day to spend with a human being. Who I, at one point I said to her, I go, I go. You know, when they when someone tries to tell your story, like if I was to tell my your story to my kids, they wouldn't believe it. Like no one would. Right. And she was like, "How so?" And I was like, "Okay." Let me just tell it to you real quick. Yeah. Today, girls, I spent the day with this uh, older lady who in 1976 won the men's decathlon at the US Olympics. <laughs> and then she was like, Yeah, I guess that does sound unbelievable. It's funny, she though. She then was a part of the five biggest women in Hollywood ever, the first female billionaire, self made b- billion. I mean, oh, just.
2: Oh, oh, she is the parent to the five. Yeah, bi- yeah right, right, right. She I always was- think about like, like John Glenn you went to the moon and then you were a senator for 40 years fuck yeah. you like how many lives do does one person get used to vacation with oj right but you know i bet your kids or if not your kids your kids kids will hear will hear a story like that and just be like yeah so yeah like i, I a do lot feel of like moms
0: win the men's decathlon yeah. dad. <laughs> exactly
2: <laughs> you need to get with times <laughs> i think so i think i heard this great story the other day that uh this, these parents were telling me that their, their, friend, their kid is in, I think, sixth grade. And their, uh, his best friend came out to him as gay. Yeah. And the reaction was, the kid goes, their kid goes, he's like, do you accept me? I'm gay. And he goes, well, I accept you if you're doing this because you're really gay and not just to get likes on Instagram. I'm like, that is so the opposite of what the kay- I'm gay conversation used to be god you would I mean, be it never, was like, he's never, like i never it, had one friend ever come oh, out to of course be not gay. ever ever, he goes, ever. It, in our day it was like if you were gay it would the conversation would be do you accept me because i'm gay because i think you're gonna hate me because i'm gay this guy's like listen i really hope you are gay okay because that's cool yeah but faking it just to be cool that's not cool my daughter said a lot of girls come out as gay
0: just to because it's it's more socially acceptable right and and and, uh, it's, and they say there's a lot of girls and then they have a friend. I talked about this somewhere and I don't know where I might've talked about this on this podcast. They had a friend that came out as, uh, as, as I don't know what it, but as a, they like just a non-binary, non-binary I think non-binary, yeah. and I it made total sense to me. Really? Oh yeah. Uh-huh. I've known this child since for probably, uh, probably 10 years. And I definitely, I, I was like, Oh, that makes total sense. I, I totally see that. And the girls were like, really? And I was like, wait, you didn't see that? And they're like, no, nah, but it doesn't surprise us. And they're like, and, then, and, and I remember my daughter's words were, this one I believe. And that's I'm interesting. Like, really?
2: Yeah. I was walking by a school. I live across the street from a really like, fancy, woke elementary school. Oh, huh.
0: that's what I wanted to talk to you about also. Okay. Okay, keep going.
2: But anyway, I was walking by yesterday and I was thinking about this. Like, This is super wokeville, like hardcore and like it is the alternative comedy of public schools in Los Angeles right is
0: it the one where they make the white kids sit on the ground and the black kids stand on chairs and yell at them oh i haven't
2: heard about that that's this. one my daughter went to wow well that's not what i was go- yeah. where i was going i was thinking to myself like they probably have like a bunch of trans kids here or, or non-binary kids. Yeah. And probably it's not mm. cool to bully those kids. Like well, in, in o- Oakland public schools, we, there was a lot, a lot of gay kids and kids that these days would probably be considered trans. But at the time they probably weren't politically accepted enough to be able to say into the Smiths. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it was not quite, it was into Jodeci. I, I grew up in Oakland, oh, but Jodeci? Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, but the Smiths of the, yeah, yeah. of the black community. But, um, <laughs> But it's probably not cool to bully those kids. But then I was thinking, but kids probably haven't stopped bullying people. So I wonder who woke kids bully. Who do they do they bully like the the unfortunate like bro boy who's been <laughs> like shit. the jock like the rugby like a little six year old rugby player they're like get him like there's no way kids have just become cool it can't they, be
0: they find out by just throwing a ball and he catches it with <laughs> one hand they're, they're like, like he's a witch he's <laughs> <laughs> a witch
2: they're like do you recycle he's like oh not in my house they're like kick this motherfucker's
0: ass so I was talking to Mike Gibbons you know Mike Gibbons yes Mike yeah. Gibbons and he was he's saying- a
2: Waldorf guy right. He emailed us about Waldorf because we were really thinking about it. So explain Waldorf
0: to cause he started to tell it to me. It actually makes brilliant sense.
2: Right. But it's but it's are you are you guys doing that? We were thinking about it. It's like it's it's a conundrum. Okay, Waldorf is this, it's very funny. First of all, it's like 90 like 90% cool, 10% like frightening cult. Yeah. You know, like because we went to the the Waldorf um like Winter Wonderland fair and and it's it was crazy. I mean, it was like going to a Renaissance fair, you know. And really? it's like hippies everywhere on stilts, and like kids doing jousting on like homemade paper mache like horses and stuff. Basically, Waldorf was a school system started. All these school systems, Montessori, Waldorf, all these like weird alternative ways to learn were started after World War One and World War Two. Most of them in Germany as a way to pick up the p- the shattered pieces of children's psyches after the war, because all these people wow. in Europe. All these kids in Europe had seen widespread, massive devastation, people dying, like people being murdered in front of them, bomb raids, bomb and they'd all grown up these like shattered generations. And so they made these school systems to try to like create this thing that they were hoping was going to happen, which was that the wars, you know, the idea of the war to end all war, that we would at this point be in a utopia and we are everything worked out. But, um, so, Waldorf is the most weird and extreme of them all, but one that I really responded to. It's like,
0: I by the way, I responded to it.
2: Me too. It's like I, I was t- well, basically, okay, the principles of Waldorf is like you there's some ones that make sense and some ones that are weird. Like they keep kids away from technology. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And they don't actually teach them in a really structured the way public schools do. Do your kids go to public school? no, George is in private. I is in public. ok. so they public most especially, but private too, when they're college preparatory is like really based on linear, you study this, 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 You then you take a test and then you're in this category. Yeah. And you, and you, when you're in kindergarten, you do the ABCs. And when you're in first grade, you're learning to read. Or when you're in second grade, you have da, 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 phonics. And this doesn't do any of that. In fact, the, the biggest knock on Waldorf is that the kids don't even learn to read until they're like in like fourth or fifth grade, right? Because really? they start, instead of starting narrow, they start super wide. Like the education is like, everything you're teaching science but the way you teach science is that they're doing like a mosaic yarn like mural about like the periodic table and you teach history but the way you do that is for them to like do an interpretive dance of like the nuremberg trials or something like that like it's like it's so big i would have loved this kind of i would have loved it too i
0: would have loved this kind of learning
2: that problem it's so wild and weird like there's some weird stuff they don't like technology so like and they don't. You're not allowed to wear blended fabrics, which is really bizarre. Like just some some things that feel arbitrary. And like they all do a style of dance called eurythmy. Eurythmy. Anytime there's some a made up word, I feel like I'm there's something sketchy. Any, that
0: sounds like someone's comedy special.
2: Eurythmy. Like yeah. Like eurythmy or you're not. You're with me or
0: you're me or you're either you're
2: with me or you're you're me. with me. But I was thinking about it just like you, Bert. Like, I I spent all my life in public school. And every second, every moment of every second I was in class was fucking torture. I felt like there were nails and needles in my skin. And I was staring at the clock waiting for it. And the idea that there's a kind of school where the kid might enjoy themselves and learn how to be an unusual thinker.
0: Why not?
2: Why, why not? Why not have your kid enjoy? Isla loves the social
0: side of school. Hates the actual learning. Like, hates it. Hates it. Georgia loves the learning. She is someone who goes into her room, sets up her notebooks, loves organization. I, to this day, do not know how to study for something. Right. That's why I'm not an actor, is that I don't know how to memorize things. Like, I don't know, like, I never learned how to memorize things. So, like, I, and for me to memorize, even, like, with my act, I can't write my act down. I just gotta do it until it feels right to yeah, me. Yeah, that's how I am, it. And then I do too. it that way. Yeah. I, like, I can't go through, and I, I can't go through, and I'll tell a story, and I'll record it, and then I go through and try to jot notes to myself down of how I would do it again. And I you don't even and look it at just
2: confuses me. Right. I'm the same way. And I wish I was more disciplined. I wish I was a write the joke down guy. I wish I, I, wish I could sit down and write material. Just like now I will write material about Bert's man cave. Yeah. I'm going to write. I just i am not that good at that. I'm good at like, I'm good at like going. I, I
0: By the way, I'm not even good at recognizing when a joke shows up. The other night. Uh, I, I'm going to probably try to figure out a joke about this, but I got, I got, I did a thing with Joey and Tom and we smoked half an ounce of marijuana. Okay. And so I was the highest I've ever been to my, like so high what life was turning off and then starting up again uh-huh. and then turning off and starting up again. And I was like, okay, this is way too high. Yeah. And I came home and Georgia had just got her learner's permit and they're, her and Isla are at the door and they're like, we're taking George on a drive. Come on, dad. And I'm like, "Uh, where's your mom? And the, my Leanne comes with us. And I'm in the backseat. Now, do they all
2: know you've smoked half an ounce M- of marijuana? They have no idea. What? About wifey?
0: Uh, yes, because I had a glass of wine in my hand. Uh-huh. And she was like, whoa, how was today's episode? She's like, your eyes, okay. <laughs> You're like- She's like, do you want to just stay? And I was like, no, I'll sit in the backseat. I won't say a thing. Okay. She's like, okay, murder the wine. And then in the car, stuff is happening. And it's, I'm not li- I'm, like, crying. I'm laughing so hard. But it's George's first time driving a car. And and I'm crying. And Leanne's like, this is going in dad's act. I can see. And I did not see that until Leanne said that I went. She farted on my chin one time during oral sex. Uh-huh. And and, it, and her first thing she did was, cry. I put this in a special. She cried. And I said, what are you crying at? She goes, you're going to talk about this on stage. And I was like, now
2: I am. That you're right. is so funny. You're She's like uh, Ray Rice's wife. <laughs> yeah she's crying in an elevator yeah. going like why do i have to be in the act oh
0: god <laughs> oh here we go
2: again so did you decide not to go with that school i think in the end like we got a lot of feedback because we talked about it on our, on our podcast natasha and i we do a podcast together we'd give you did it Duh. yeah um and we talked about it and a lot of former waldorf students wrote us uh, the other thing to understand about... Former Waldorf story. Well, we asked. We said, are there any listeners that w- went to Waldorf? Like, tell us your experience. How was it? Because the whole idea is it's supposed to be teaching you how to be a, a, a magical, creative thinker. That rather than teaching you a very narrow road to education, it teaches you a really wide one and then by th- in theory, by the time you get to the fifth grade, it circles back and you've got all the skills that you need, but it's all about like magical thinking, creative thinking, artistic thinking, communion with the natural world and stuff like that. And then eventually it gets into academia when they get a little bit older the problem obviously is if you're not that kind of thinker and they pull you out in third grade you go oh shit this just isn't working for our kid in third grade you're a fucking illiterate and then you get put into public school and they're like why doesn't this child read but she does know how to like sew buttons onto you know a mossy a peat moss like you know what i mean like you're fucking illiterate it's true So the other fucking very weird thing is, oh, Dad, what have you done for me? Exactly. I can catch a butterfly,
0: but I can't read.
2: It's like yeah, she knows how to start a fire in in a <laughs> in, in a wet forest, but that's about it. And uh, the other very funny thing is, it's so obsessed with Europe because it was started in Germany. Oh. Like we were going through the bookstore that they had there, and it was it was so funny. It almost felt it felt real close to racist. It was like every kid's book was like you derm it churns butter in the dutch windmill and then the next one would be like the little white child's perfect golden alabaster skin. it's just like it was as if nothing but europe had ever existed Oh, that's great so wait did you what's montessori school montessori is like that but it's a lot less dogmatic and it's a lot less like magical it's a lot more like it makes more sense montessori they do the same thing where it's not like really rigid they let kids learn as in the way that works for them, but it's not Waldorf is like pretty rigid in its wildness. It's so makes funny. Sense. I went to
0: one. I, there was a Montessori school on Ehrlich uh, on Ehrlich Boulevard in Tampa, and my buddy's brother went to went to a Montessori school. I went to private schools, so when we had choir, you'd all stand in there and you'd you just sing and you'd have your hands in front of you and you'd sing. And you'd be done and then we'd go and we'd do a bell exercises where we each had a bell and you put on white gloves and you you'd play a song every with 18 kids you play a song with bells that would be our christmas uh, show and so i went to a montessori school and now that you say that i start i i got up there and all the kids were in street clothes i remember that being like <laughs> being like wait there's no uniformity of it like everyone's just right. like in like dungarees and jeans and corduroys it's and it's they started singing the song and all the kids were dancing and i was like well, these are white kids. What the fuck are they doing dancing? Uh, they're and doing I started, I started laughing so hard, and as like a fourth grader, right, at, at my buddy's brother dancing, and and it was like, and I, but I remember
2: thinking. That's the kid I am. I want to dance. I've been wanting to dance. Well, that's what I was thinking when I was thinking about my kid. I was like and my own experiences like how torturous public school was for me to have to fit myself into a box that I knew and the teachers knew and my parents knew I didn't fit in in the first place. And 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 add on top of that that I was in Oakland public school so I was getting bullied for being a white kid the whole time. Like there was nothing pleasant about my experience in public school. But at the same time, I think public school is the right choice for a society. Public school creates a uh, like I'm grateful I went because I got exposed to different kinds of people and diversity and different like people from different backgrounds. And I, I I'm grateful for that. But I also fucking dropped out of school in the eighth grade, you know? And I like, yeah. I stopped going to school in eighth grade and six months later, the school district noticed, you know, that's how overcrowded like people are like, he hasn't been to school in six months. Like it, that seems bad. You know what I mean? And yeah. like, so I don't know, we, but we, a lot of people wrote us and we just like, look, it turned me into like kind of a weird elf. Like, Oh, they were like i liked it for the first like three grades and then after that it was a little bit weird you know and yeah so i think in the end we're going to send her to the public school because we live across the street from a great public school i'll Why tell
0: not? you i'll tell you right now i swear by it i swear
2: by all boys catholic high schools it's the greatest experience of my fucking so life Do you think i should send my jewish daughter to an all boys catholic high school <laughs> yeah i do <laughs> i think you're allowed to now right right right, right.
0: mid-roll reads Mid-roll reads. What are they? These are mid-roll reads. Support for the Burtcast comes from TurboTax. Thank you, TurboTax. TurboTax is here to help this tax season by making tax filing easier for you. They made it their mission to give you all the tools and advice you need to get your taxes done with confidence. Like making uploading your W-2 as easy as just taking a picture. Just use your phone or tablet to simply snap a picture of your W-2, then watch your information appear in the right place in your tax return. You can be sure you're filing your taxes correctly while at the same time making sure you're getting the best possible refund. Turbo tax. All people are tax people. Please pause and listen closely because I believe CBD could change your life. You know that health concern you've been struggling with? that one you've tried everything to solve and nothing has stopped the discomfort and constant stress and worry that keeps you up at night? Yes, that health concern. Let me encourage you to try something remarkable. CBD products from the only experts I trust, cbdistillery.com. CBD is the remarkable extract from the hemp version of cannabis. It may offer many of the health benefits of marijuana, but without the high, CBD is legal to buy, and you do not need a prescription when you shop online at CBDistillery.com. It's time to deal with that nagging health concern. Explore the amazing CBD products at CB Distillery, and to get my special discount, enter cast at checkout again. Enter cast at checkout for my special discount at CBDistillery.com. CB Distillery.com calm right, 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 right. no we i'm sending georgia to an all girls catholic high school and i and my experience i gotta be honest with you uh, my experience with girls has been super fucking eye-opening and what a simpleton fucking misogynist i am mm, like what uh, i had never i am not comfortable let me i let me try to find the right words so it sounds okay i had never experienced uh women being competitive Mm-hmm. i'd never experienced that i'd never experienced like uh a woman with game face on a woman fucking taunting other women i there's this girl uh, i mean I, I won't say her name
2: I, i'll say this I is a minor in a catholic school no she's an 18 year old she's in college oh, okay now. okay
0: i'll say her name she's a fucking badass like
2: <laughs> there's this girl that goes to school with my underage daughter no no her no. name is julia she played on georgia's bitch. she played on georgia's softball team last year her name's uh-huh. nick her name's nick nicole
0: uh-huh. they called her nick and she was she was everything i was in sports meaning competitive yeah trash talky flamboyant and fucking good and i had never seen that in a girl and it made me very uncomfortable and i i didn't know how to i didn't know like how to compartmentalize emotion because i all of a sudden now like i'd never seen it this girl they were like down like fucking three runs they have They have the bases loaded, and this girl in the fucking final, in the championship, the state championships, hits a fucking dinger off the wall, runs get a triple, runs in all the runs to tie the game, and then she goes and grabs a handful of sand, looks in the pitcher's face, and drops it like it's just. Ooh, I like that move. And I was like, but it's, this is gonna sound crazy, it's a girl doing it, and I went, I'd never seen girls with the fucking dog eat dog mentality i'd never Mm.
2: i'd never witnessed it in sports in sports i'd never seen it that's what i do with the mic cord when i have a really good set oh i look at jeff playing the piano and i run the (laughs) cord through my fingers
0: but it was so fucking badass but i'd never experienced that and i was like i wonder if
2: girls have that i wonder if that's the all girls catholic high school if they if you're around oh, so many it being an all-female school makes that com- competitive spirit not get overshadowed by the weird gender dynamics when there's boys yeah. there that's an interesting idea. i mean
0: i loved going to an all-boys catholic high school it taught me it taught me so much about who i was and and it it created my personality it really did i was a fucking phony fucking horseshit eighth was, grader who was, was the molestation hard for you though no, nah, not bad at all. You didn't it's, mind You'd that. be shocked, right. They smell weird, but right. But other than end, that, but it feels good. Feels. Oh yeah, I mean the pleasure <laughs> part of it. Sure, sure, fucking, sure, sure. The uh,
2: no, that's it, interesting. I I I never thought about an all girls school. I'll tell you, my first instinct is it would keep them out of trouble. It seems like I don't think so. No, disagree. No, but you know what it
0: is. If you like, like George is a little bit of a, like a goofball. Mm-hmm. George is an alt comic. Yeah, sure. We'll take care of her. Don't you she worry. She <laughs> fucking loves comic books to this day. Right. What her and her friends have the goofiest, silliest sense of humor that you get in the car with them, and what's making them laugh, you're just like, like you're just listening as a dad going like, God damn it, man, these kids are not. They're not like the fast paced Kardashian girls. These are like fucking. This is like Laura Lapkus. Uh-huh, Does uh-huh. I say her name Lauren right? Lapkus. Lauren yeah. Lapkus, like right, just quirky. a f- quirky, funny sure. kid, person. Yeah, she was fucking amazing in Between Two Ferns. Oh, she, was she is amazing. amazing. She's really good. Yeah. I didn't realize she's been in movies that I I just saw her in that, and I was like, she's fucking phenomenal. I didn't realize she's been in a lot of movies I fucking love. No, she's really she's good. A, she's great. But that kind of girl, like the Chris Kristen Shawl. uh huh, like right. just quirky, funny. That's Georgia's right. Her group of friends, and um. But yeah, I love, man, I, 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 I my friend, I'm trying to get my friend's son to go to an all boys Catholic high school, put hairs on your chest. I guess so. Yeah.
2: Put, put a lot on your chest. Actually, if you get the wrong priest, Yeah. you got to be careful with yeah, that. Yeah. Have you used your surfboard? No. Not even once? No. Cause I, well, it doesn't even have fins on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> By the way, there's cobwebs <laughs> on it right now.
0: They told me they were like, do not use that at first. Use a foam board yeah, and yeah, get yeah. used to it. Wait, what, are you, how have you
2: been surfing lately? Yeah, I've been going out. Yeah, yeah. I go out a bunch. Really? Yeah. I'm, it's a far drive for you. It is far. I guess you're closer, but you know what? It makes the whole day. The whole day is good. So I, you
0: just you just you know what the other question I wanted to ask you, yes. not just that, but like so how do you plan it? You get you get like a text from like Kurt or someone or I Get a text
2: or, from Kurt or uh I got a group of comedian buddies I go with, I go with uh, This kid Andrew Michon and uh Kurt Bronnell or, uh, you know, there's a group of us that go and then, uh, we'll go out just past Santa Monica to this beach called sunset usually, or there's, they're up to Ventura sometimes or sometimes down South to a beach called San Onofre. And I'm very bad. You would love coming with me. You I would gotta have, go you'd have a you. good time with me because I I'm got, not-
0: I have, I have a f- legit week and a half off when we wrap this. No, that's That's not, it's a lie. I have one week off after we wrap. I would um, from
2: the 22nd to like the 28th you would enjoy where i go because i like it when it's a little chiller you know dude
0: will you text me next time you're going yeah i was thinking about just buying a phone board they're like they're not 100 bucks yeah buying a phone board from uh val surf and having it so that if you go hey we're going i could just go all right i'm I'm going with you yeah and just call it the day just
2: get a wave storm you know uh, they're at costco they're 100 dollars. really yeah oh there's another company called almond and they have a really cool looking one. If you care about cool looking ones. Oh, I'm like all about spending I, money. Yeah, they they th- that one's pretty cool. And like, listen, if they're given, a, you know, they should give you one. They should probably give me one. Almond Surfboard, the R series on. Anyway, no, those are pretty cool looking. But the WaveStorm is at Costco and they're good enough for anybody. Yeah. yeah would, uh, okay. I'm going to okay. I'm gonna go
0: grab one and have one so that next week, if you're going, just text me and go, hey, it's Thursday. We're going out.
2: Watch, I would you, love to. You know, you're going to catch a really big one. And then they'll be like, Moshe killed the machine. That's not a bad name for a documentary. When I get drummed out of comedy. No, 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 no. We just get you back on drugs and alcohol, and, and I go with you on a the bender. <laughs> We're both in wheelchairs. <laughs> <laughs> well, we thought it would be funny to go surfing together but to bridge the alternative community and the alpha community through the ocean, but it turns out that we've been breathing through a tube. Did you ever see the
0: sketch of uh, of the guy, the guy in the wheelchair like Stephen Hawkins teaching a class full of kids in a wheelchair, like Stephen Hawkins. No, that's very funny. <laughs> so, and he goes, "Okay, I would like to start today's lesson by." And someone goes, "You're stupid." And he goes, "Okay, who said that?" And he goes, "The black guy." <laughs> <laughs> what is that from? I don't know. There was this funny. There's some things that made me laugh hard at. HBO, when they had Aspen, HBO did um, sketches on a TV show that they shot at Aspen. Oh wow. And it was really, there was this, it was like all oh, the sketch groups did one or something. All the sketch groups, there were different sketch groups. One, that, that was one of the sketches. Another sketch group was a guy trying to get ketchup out of the container. It looked like he was jerking off uh-huh. and his roommates walk in he's just putting fries and his jer- and he's like, come on, come on. And his roommates are like, shh. And he's like, come on baby, come on. And then it comes out he's like, ah! And his blood's all his hands and his ketchup and his roommates pass out. The other one was this interview with this Canadian Mountie who it, I, to this day, I have, it's the hardest I've ever laughed. Ah, ranima. is that all right. Because you
2: don't remember any of these sketch groups. I don't remember groups. any of the sketch groups. This could be the biggest sketch groups in the world right now. We wouldn't We would know. This guy was so funny.
0: All ah, right, Ranima. That's all he kept saying. And I was, me and Leanne were laughing so fucking hard. I wish I could remember. Here's my problem with, um. oh, you know what I wanted to ask you? Yes. I got to get you out of here. What um I got to plug this damn album. Yeah, we got to plug the album. I want to talk about the I want to talk about I want to talk about how much I miss comedy albums.
2: Well, th- yeah, I, because I, I agree.
0: specials are awesome, but man, specials don't lend themselves
2: to being as funny as a comedy album. You think so? That's interesting, right? Cuz you're a little distracted by what you're watching and what you're thinking about. You know, I remember I I don't want to say who, but there was a very famous comedian who uh I heard the album And I was like, this is funny. This is before I did comedy. I was like, this guy's funny. And then I saw the special and I was like, ah, this is, I don't like this. It was like, there's something about the physicality of the comedian where just the audio of the jokes, I thought it was funny. And then watching it, I was like, turned off by it. I played. Mitch Hedberg for the girls the oh, other okay. day. I was just watching one of his Conan specials. His I, just Conan watched, I just watched that. I Which ju- one? I, re- I retweeted it. must be the same one. I, I'm
0: certain it was going viral. The fajita like one? is His
2: last one, yeah. Where was it the fajita? I wish yeah. it had fajita scented cologne. Because I love it. That just smells delicious. Yeah, I just Man, watched it.
0: I was thinking about Dr. Schultz the other day. He went to college just to tell you to stand on a cushion. I would have bought that from for a Mr. Schultz. Yeah,
2: no, you know, I was watching that clip and I was going, how how cool do you have to be what, what do you think that's from like 2000 that clip it's got to be how cool do you have to be to be filming something 20 years ago and then you look cool still like he yeah. was such a hip guy he was very cool and painted nails fucking his setup that was what else i was impressed with he's like mumbling and stumbling on jokes and still nailing them Man, you know i, I went to I, I hate sleeping no i don't yeah, <laughs> like, not on purpose. There's yeah. no way that was not like, on purpose. He meant to tell
0: the joke correctly. I heard that he would take a huge sip of like a big gulp of whiskey or vodka right before he walked on stage because he liked the feeling of it hitting him on. Hitting That's him really interesting. He had, I mean, yeah, he was a troubled fella, but, but his albums were great. Patrice, Patrice's
2: last album was great because it's an album. Mister, Mister, Mister C- P or Mister P is that what yeah. it was? Yeah, I always think. I was just talking about Patrice the other day. Like, elephant in the room got really close, but like, the experience of seeing him and this live, the way he operated with a crowd the way he did crowd work and i got and and like seeing him in a small room too like yeah. i opened for him at the punchline in san francisco when i was a, a new comedian and it was like that was an amazing and again this was pre-trump pre like everybody's looking for a reason to be upset yeah so it was interesting to watch him in san francisco of all places because like patrice he was so offensive so, that, that, that's people forget he was very offensive it's beyond, and, and it's and it's
0: hard to you know people gave Chappelle a lot of shit when he was like, I'm what they call a victim blamer. But people forget that the group of, of black comics in New York, right? Were, I mean, they just it was like, it was like keeping it real. And and black clubs in New York, they're not, i they're not the biggest fucking hotbed of wokeness.
2: Sh- sure, definitely. <laughs> but like Patrice would be, it was offensive. It was in it was indefensible, actually, the things yeah. he would say. But he was so funny and so undeniably funny that i would watch like i because i got to see him like seven nights in a row opening for him i would watch like maybe five percent of the women in the room would walk because the things he was saying were they were undeniably incredibly offensive to women i mean they were
0: oh. horrifying he had legit issues with women but
2: the people that would stay it's not like by the end of their set they were like okay i agree by the end of the set they were still like fuck you but they were laughing because they couldn't resist like what was going on there he and talked
0: like, he talked about he would- he would one of his things he did a lot was he would uh do analogies comparing women to animals (laughs) like he did that a lot and then and then one of the other things he did a lot like he would take a view like and it wouldn't even be technically insightful and this is goes to that Shane Gillis thing of like people lighting up Shane Gillis when he was just talking there's a clip online of Patrice where it's just um patrice O'Neal, i hate asians uh-huh and it is there's not a joke in there it's just i don't like them uh-huh i don't like them right and all the reasons he doesn't like them and it's on op and anthony and it's just him saying all the things Listen, he didn't it was like about the,
2: it was the wild west back then for sure but he it that, was the wild fucking west
0: yeah but there was a wokeness i remember i remember this guy goes this guy was on stage and he was like a cheese dick. You know the kind of guys you meet at open mics where you're like, yeah. no I know your friends told you should be a comic. You're doing this to get pussy but you do not care about comedy. And this guy was using the n-word like, I mean just like. Not funny. Not, not fun. No, no. It was his punchline but it was like, it was like clearly something a bunch of Italian guys might say in a uh-huh. fucking car. Right. Because he was Italian. Right. But, and he goes, uh, I remember at one point someone, and this was like this was my, maybe my first look into like. Oh, that's gross! Of like, of like, oh, that you're. I'm seeing a. You got to have an act. You can't just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy goes. He was on stage at the Boston Comedy Club. I'm in the back, with like Patrice O'Neill. I'm. This is before I was working the door. Patrice O'Neill, probably fucking Ed Helms. Oddly enough, uh-huh. like it was a group of comics that used to hang out back then. And the guy goes, "I'm from uh, I'm from New York." And someone goes, "Where?" And he goes, "Try to guess where." And like he's trying to like add And the guy, someone goes, um, "Chelsea." And the guy goes real quick, goes, "What do I look like, a faggot or a Mexican?" And everyone was like, "Whoa!" He was like, and then he he stopped and goes, "Hey guys, I'm a comedian." Uh-huh. And we were like, "No guy, that's not comedy. <laughs> like that, you just showed us you just showed us who you were. That does that doesn't right. constitute as comedy." And even Patrice who at his at his best could be the hor- a horrible human being at yeah, times at yeah, times yeah. really had a propensity for that was like what the fuck now flip That's that to that flip guy's that. like
2: that guy comes up to you like your wife's an ugly bitch you're like what the fuck did you just say hey i'm a comedian yeah. now
0: <laughs> flip that same night there's a guy go- a comic and i i won't say his name because yeah, i think he's still doing comedy he might yeah. have just stopped but he might have stopped he was he's been doing comedy for he had been doing comedy for a long time he was a Southie from Boston, right? Yeah. And we're in the back. Same group of people. And I and the only reason I remember it was Patrice is because Patrice was from Boston and this guy was a Southie. And there were four black chicks at the front. And uh, and they were like, uh, and this was the difference, the little subtle difference in sure. like seeing your personality and it being gross, and seeing your personality and and people forgiving it and going, and they go and he was talking, he's doing like improv, like trying to ad lib with the crowd, and the one of the black chicks on the front go, uh, you ever date a black chick? And he's like, no, but I wouldn't mind dating a colored chick. Uh-huh. And he just, it slipped out. The way out. he said it. The way he uh-huh. said it with his Boston accent, it slipped out. And everyone's like, no one says that. Yeah. And, but Patrice started laughing. It was so innocent. And he goes, he doesn't know what he said. Yeah, And, yeah,
2: he, and yeah. he kept
0: saying it over and over again. And they're, every time he'd say it, they'd be like, whoa. And he'd be like, I know. Can you imagine?
2: He's thinking they're laughing at a different thing. Yeah, yeah And yeah, it was, yeah, like, yeah. but it was an innocence was sweet.
0: of like, of like your intention came out. Right. Know, it was, it's really fascinating. Yeah, and that's, that's the part of the nuance of, of comedy where you, I think sometimes it's lost is there is an innocence. There is a heartfeltness. There is a, a, an intent. And if the intent is to make you laugh, as opposed to be like, the fuck do I look like to you?
2: Right. Yeah. And so Patrice to me was like, he was the, like probably the funnest comedian to watch live I've ever seen. Yeah, easily. And, and he was a, a crowd work master, like uh, the top, the top easily. guy. And that's, uh, this album that i have coming out is all it's just crowd work it, oh. there, there's no jokes oh and i knew about this and uh and it's it's basically like i was trying to figure out a way to do a crowd work album and like other people have done have done really good ones but they're they're difficult to bottle the lightning of crowd work you know like big j's are really good yep. todd Berry's special was great some of paul poundstone's early stuff patrice i mean patrice is, he gets a nod uh, 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 in in the album actually i tell a story about him because when i opened for him he would come when i would come on stage i would introduce him and he would like sneer at me like he was disgusted every night and he would go ugh moshe kasher your name might as well be jewish jewish which i always thought was like the funniest um <laughs> anyway i was trying to figure out a way to do a, a crowd work album and make it feel a little less temporary a little less about what was in the room yeah you know that night and so i basically it's kind of a concept album where I'm asking the crowd, like I asked them like five specific questions. Like what's, uh, what's the, you know, wildest sexual experience you ever had, or what's the, have you ever been arrested? You ever, what's the craziest night on oh, drugs this is you ever had? Brilliant. This and, is so smart. And, and then they got the mic, people would raise their hands and they would get the mic and tell their story. And we would riff, I would sort of riff on their story. And the end result is what you were saying. Like you missed the, 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 comedy album. What I like about the album and also what is kind of troublesome about it in the serious XM Spotify, like, Play the track era is it's best served as a full album because it 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 feels like a full piece the whole thing. But there are some crazy stories in there that are like just so bizarre. Because in any room full of people, there's at least twenty people with maybe not a machine story, but like their machine story. You know what I mean?
0: Everyone's got. We did we did a. I never. I was never. I never released this, but we did a live. uh, I used to do these call and stick to work shows. Uh huh. And it was ultimately, ultimately it was like three comics on stage, but it it did digress into crowd work always. Right. Because you, every comic's like, I'm not going to do my act and we're not, it's right. live podcasts are always a weird thing. Right. So I said to this kid in the front row, I said, Doug, it was me, Doug Benson and Doug Stanhope. And I said, and Doug Stan, Stanhope said, I can guess anyone's age. I'm really good at that. Yeah. And Doug Benson goes, "That's so funny. I'm really good at guessing everyone's weight. I can guess weight very easily. I've always been very oddly." Uh-huh. And I said, "That's so crazy. I can always guess everyone's secret." And uh-huh. like, really? And I said, "Yeah." I go, "Let's try this. Just randomly pointed to a guy in the front row. Oh, sir, we're going to use this as an example." I go, Stanhope, how old is he?" And he goes, "25." I go, "Doug, what's he weigh?" He goes, "186." And I said, "You hit a man in your car drunk driving on the way home, and I've never told anyone about it." And he goes, uh, and I go, well, how old are you? And he goes, I'm 23. And they're like, oh. He goes, how much do you weigh? He goes, I'm 168 pounds. And we're like, oh. I go, well, what, what's your secret? And he goes, I I don't drink and drive. I said, well, no. What was your secret? And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, you, I missed your secret, but you told them the. Tell me what your secret was. I, I so I'm better at it next time. And he goes. I lost my virginity to my sixth grade teacher. And the place goes fucking insane.
2: That's amazing. <laughs>
0: and we're like, wait, what the fuck? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I lost my virginity That's to incredible. my sixth grade teacher. And immediately Stanho's like, you're on stage. Come on up stage. So the guy rips his shirt off and sits on stage. And we interview him about this experience. And it was such a bizarre. And he's like, I never told anyone this. And he, but he was so open that he like told us her name we found her on facebook oh my god and then and then doug stanhope just you know doug's brain is like i would say i'm anti whatever the mainstream is i always try to push back the other direction yeah stanhope is that in absolutely everyone's cheering at this sex story and he goes just so you know you're cheering on a rape right so just so i want you to know that we're clear that this is a rape and imagine if this was a, a a young woman who had lost her virginity at 12 years old would you be cheering just as loud if her PE teacher fucked her in a closet right and everyone's like wait you're not making it fun anymore Uh and I was like no 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 cheer along I just want you to know you're cheering at a rape and it was it was the but everyone does
2: have their crazy story so the first dude we talked to the first taping first moment the guy I I started talking to him and he was basically told the story about how he came home his his dad was Uh, got had visitation and he came home to his mom's on the weekend and he saw these like straps on the bed and he comes in and he's like, these are kind of weird. They're like straps tied to the bedpost. And he's like, he goes and he talks to his mother and there's a lot more to it. But essentially she's like, Oh, did I leave those on the bed? And he comes to find out that while he's at his dad's house for the weekend, she's operating the biggest bordello in the, in town out of his childhood bedroom. That she's oh, just got like sex workers coming God. in, and out. there was—I mean, every story was like that. It was like so crazy. The one at the end is really awesome too. There's a lot of great stories in it, but this woman is talking about how she brought this Muslim. She she never said he was Muslim, but I was able to guess she was uh, brought this Muslim dude home uh, from a like a Tinder situation, and they had sex, and then he got back. He uh, hit her up again like two weeks later. He's like, I lost your number. Can I come over again and she's like she let him come over and he's like listen I can't have sex with you because I'm a religious Muslim the only I can only have sex he'd already had sex with her I can only have sex with women I'm married to and she's like okay and he's like but we can do the ceremony right here there's like a little there's a weird loophole where I can we can I could just all you have to do is say basically this woman married this guy and divorced him 28 days later just so they could she could have a booty call
0: Fuck.
2: the most romantic story i've ever heard so this whole how long is the album it's an hour an hour and was it all one night or do
0: you mix a couple nights there's a together? couple nights yeah it was a weekend God, at the dcm bro i bet this is fucking amazing it's
2: pretty magical and i'm pretty happy with it it's called crowd surfing and uh as we've talked we talked about my two interests but i just feel like crowd work it's what i'm best at and it's the funnest you- it's the funnest mo- it's the funnest and, thing. and by the way
0: every comic says i'm good at crowd work everyone says it they're not that is true. I'll tell you what, Jay, Jay, uh, uh Big Jay did a crowd work. He's special, good at it. and I was like, oh yeah, I murder a crowd work, and I forgot how much I lean on my act.
2: Oh, interesting. So that I
0: go, oh yeah, I can play along with an audience, but I can't ditch the act and get in the moment well, that's, and very few of us can
2: that's what I was ta- I talk about in the intro of the album is like when people disparage crowd work and sometimes people and co- comedians will talk shit about crowd work they say it's lazy they say that it's like hack the reason people think that is because they've never seen one of the masters do it like like Big J like Paula Poundstone Ian Todd Bag. Barry, well, Ian Bag, Yes, yeah. uh, Ian Bagg P- crowd works fucking insane Patrice the people that are at the top it's lazy when you see someone lazy do it but the yeah. people that are really really good at it it to me is the funnest thing to see in all of standup. Tig is really good at it. There's a lot of like top level people that uh, Jimmy Pardo is one of the uh, greats Jimmy at Pardo it. Is really great at it. So I wanted to do a, a whole album of it, and I'm so glad I did. Like I want to, I want to do one of these every year. But this is the first one, and I'm oh, super excited great. about it. It comes out the 24th of January. Everywhere you get music.
0: That's uh, that is oh great this is going up next week and that'll everyone Perfect. will know exactly where to get it
2: yeah you can get it on itunes you can get it on amazon spotify it's everywhere and listen to the whole album because i really think as a piece there's some wild stuff in there that like ties that t- callbacks and weirdnesses and I, i'm i'm real proud of it
0: that's fucking awesome dude thank you for doing this thank you for I having could, me back man i literally honestly no lie if i could just bullshit with you any fucking time i, I feel the same way I, I have such a great time talking to you and I always say this, I mean, obviously I don't think I'm the first person to say this, but it's like, what's wrong with our country? Is that like me and you who are not ideally lined up or just comics, just have a conversation where people listening may not understand or see things. Just so that you have a wide berth of a conversation is so fucking important these days.
2: People don't talk anymore. They just throw mortars at each other. God. And so when a guy like you and a guy like me can do a podcast for an hour and a half and then press stop and then sneak into your bedroom, make love real quick and not tell anybody about it, that's what the America I want to live in. Speaking of which,
0: I'm ready for round two.
2: <laughs> ding, ding. <laughs>